0: what's going on drinking buddies brand new podcast but real quick before we get into it you know what we got to do we got to pay some bills let's get on with it first and foremost we are brought to you by uh oh, the video version of this podcast that's right see the madness in full hd ad free for six dollars a month or 99 cents an episode that's six dollars a month right now gives you 83 episodes and counting Or if there's just one episode you love, you can buy it, keep it forever for 99 cents. Check that out today at www.anwd.net slash videos. Once again, that is www.anwd.net slash videos. Did I mention there's nudity in some of them? We are also brought to you this week by the Twitch stream. That's right. I am a member of the You Laugh We Die network and I stream multiple times a week on Twitch. Every Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday at twitch.tv slash Matt F and Slayer. Come hang out in the chat. Throw me some bits or a subscription if you can. Appreciate the hell out of you. We're having a lot of fun over there. And there's YouTube content also on the you laugh we die YouTube channel. So check out all the Twitch stuff. We're having a good time with it. And last but not least, we are brought to you by our friends at Vinyl Me Please. Vinyl Me Please is the record of the month club, the best damn record of the month club. In fact, every month, Vinyl Me Please releases one album that is essential to the modern vinyl collection. It includes things like bonus tracks, inserts, color variants, and comes packaged with a 12x12 album-inspired art print and custom cocktail pairing recipe. I've been talking about Vinyl Me Please forever because I believe in it. I believe you need rad vinyl in your life. So get that in your life today. Get it all up in you. Get the music, feel it. At www.joinvmp.com/anwd. Once again, that's www.joinvmp.com/anwd. And speaking of music, my guest this week is recording artist Trent Razor. Trent and I go way back. He actually used to be a uh, draven and johnny goodluck's roommate back in the day this is a very music heavy episode but we really get into it and it's a lot of fucking fun it was good catching up with him especially because he's on the east coast these days and be sure to check out his new music dropping in the next couple of days details are in the show notes but in the meantime sit back relax pop a cold one and enjoy drinking buddies the fuck's going on man how you been how's it going matt it's going well you know another beautiful day here in 2020 Woo! yes sir la just announced a new fucking stay-at-home order so kicks off monday i wasn't going anywhere anyways
1: fuck it i heard they shut down all dining that's the that's the start of it huh
0: yeah that started a time of recording like two days ago okay and then they just announced today that monday Till December 20th, full-on stay-at-home order. Like, you're not even allowed to intermingle with anyone who's not of your household. Jesus, until when? December 20th.
1: December 20th. I wonder how, that's not affecting my flight, is it? Am I still good to come out and work? I don't know. Something I'll have to figure out here.
0: Yeah, because technically, like, I don't know. They didn't put retail on hold. Okay. Of course, because, you know, capitalism. It's
1: like the holiday season. No, no, no. You've got to still be able to spend. Of course, yeah. But they can't have LA going broke. Right. But,
0: you know, I can't, like, technically, by the letter of the law, if I wanted to, you know, go see someone, you know, of the fairer sex, technically, that's against the rules if we don't live in the same household. Gotcha. So I'm allowed to buy that new Xbox, but I'm not allowed to
1: get laid. Hmm not right no house calls huh that's crazy right
0: right so what are you drinking tonight no no let's
1: see uh i'm thinking definitely rum you know it's always rum with me or gin but i'm thinking bamboo tonight
0: i am drinking wl
1: weller's special reserve oh i saw you got like a whole case of that shit right yeah
0: so one of my guys in texas like decided to hook it up um are shots
1: or are we making a mixed drink?
0: I am just drinking it on the rocks.
1: All right. I'm going to start with a shot then.
0: Well, I can pour myself a shot too. I have uh, Elijah Craig, which I regularly shoot. All right. We'll just chase whiskey with whiskey. You know how we do. There you go. Keep it consistent. Exactly. So what has all been going on with you out in the East Coast? And-
1: Cheers. 2020, cheers my bro. 2020 has been like a year of just rebuilding and re-strategizing. Obviously, you know, the music industry is in complete disarray. Completely. I feel like we just got adjusted to streaming. Where it was like, oh, you guys can't sell records anymore. The only way to make money is live performances and merch. And now they're like, well, you can't sell records anymore and you can't perform live, so... Hope you got a dope merch line.
0: Right? Well, and I know some musicians have turned to like doing streaming, like performances on Twitch and Facebook and shit like that and selling tickets, but you really got to have some production value and really know what you're doing to make that like worth the cost of admission for, you know, for people.
1: I just, I, I look at that as um, a step backwards for me personally, because it's like, performances online have always been free you know what i mean i've always all my favorite bands when i see them perform live on kexp or for vivo or for anything it's always free yeah so to tell me hey our industry's fucked up so that shit that we were giving you for free can you pay for it now you're either a asking for donations which is fair like you know i don't hate on anybody for that if you want to ask for donation but if you're gonna charge somebody for something that was free six months ago you're a fucking scrub
0: Well, it's the same problem that, uh, you know, affected the news media, the print news media, you know, when online news reporting first came out, the newspapers are like this internet thing. Yeah. We'll put the articles online for free. Right. And then all of a sudden people are like, well, why the fuck do we need a newspaper? It's right here on the web. And they're like, oh,
1: what the fuck do we do now? and that's i mean sell advertising stop fucking whoring the people out like i think it's so dumb when i see a wall street journal ad it's like subscribe for 14.99 i'm like fuck off like you can't get budweiser to uh, sell you some advertising space on this page you got to charge me fucking stupid
0: but i think that's because we came to the expectation of it being free if they had charged for it from day one we wouldn't think it was out of the ordinary
1: oh yeah no facts That's that's true.
0: I mean, it's just how the music industry, you know, kind of fucked up in giving away those performances for free too, because they just looked at it like music videos, where like no one charged to watch a fucking music video,
1: right? So, well, there's multiple facets to that. What we're getting for free, you know, with like a Vivo performance or um, like a Triple J performance, stuff like that. That stuff a lot of times isn't free. Free, you know, we're just not paying for it. Someone is paying for that. And I, and I think that that maybe was how it kind of should be because what's happening here is that's a marketing and a promotional tool. But now they're trying to take something that was the marketing and promotional tool and turn it into something that they're charging admission for. Well, I personally am not a fan of that idea. I'm not a huge fan of it either, but
0: it also changes because of the demographics of how the industry monetizes. Back in the day, like, yeah, the label would happily pick up the tab for your video or pick up the tab for... All these promotional things because it sold units, and since physical right. media sales are down, labels don't have that kind of money to just be like, "Yeah, we'll give you a fucking million dollars to shoot a video with."
1: Yeah, I think I think being creative is the answer. Like, there's a lot of cool uh, bands that are doing things, and like I said, you know, your merch is also a huge answer uh, to these kind of things because the the markup on a T-shirt is going to be most things you know what i mean like i'm not gonna spill numbers because i run traderthreads.com and i'm out here selling shirts but that markup is going to be way more lucrative for me than streaming ever will Than uh you know pressing up vinyl even though that's another good one i've seen bands like glass animals uh make a lot of money you know doing things like hey you know we've got four limited edition vinyls that we're putting out this year or king gizzard and the lizard wizard they're another one these kind of bands that are thinking outside the box and saying, like, you know, instead of instead of trying to sell what everyone else is already giving out for free, let's kind of come up with something that no one else is giving out at all that makes our fans and our following kind of feel special and get something that has actual value. And I think, you know, thinking forward instead of thinking backwards is always, for me, just going to win out over time.
0: Oh, you have to. It's really as technology gets more and more advanced it's definitely adapt or die and that's part of the reason that labels major labels fucking failing cuz like why do you in this day and age why do you need a major label except for their marketing arm that's the only reason they yeah. to be on a major label and if you really want to hustle you could accomplish most of that shit on your own anyways
1: yeah i i don't know who do you know of that has really um, broken into the mainstream without being on a major label. Because I think this is a this is one of those things that there's a lot less than people think because the labels caught on that that's a hot story to tell. So the labels will be like, this person blew up without a label. Meanwhile, the label's funding them knowing that there's something in the works. Or they'll, they'll do I,
0: something like uh, fucking Paramore where they put them on, uh, I think it was Universal, put them on field by Ramen.
1: Right. So they're like, oh, no, on no, a smaller label, yeah, they're but they're p- distributed and all the marketing dollars are still coming from the same fucking company. Right. Like, oh. It's really hard, man. Like the labels still as much as, you know, you know, we can say labels are failing or whatever. Uh, they're not. The labels aren't failing because the labels are owned by huge fucking companies. Uh, the, the parent companies of the labels are doing just fine. And the labels are recouping huge amounts of money through advertising and through endorsements that's like the future of all this shit is like I was saying earlier, you know, you get Budweiser to pick up post Malone. You ever notice the post Malone's got Bud Light and everything he's doing. Oh. That's, that's where the future is. And the labels know it already. Just like the well, cigarette companies know to invest in big tobacco. The labels know like, Hey, these artists and their tours, that shit could go away tomorrow. But if they're endorsing Bud Light or if they're like the weekend doing Mercedes Benz, this is a partnership that's going to last beyond that artist.
0: Well, on the so, metal side of things, Jaeger and Jack Daniels has been doing that forever. Okay, like Jaeger, Jaeger used to like there used to be a whole fucking metal tours sponsored
1: by Jaeger. Oh yeah, I do remember Jaeger sponsoring lots of uh, concerts. That's pretty sick,
0: right? I mean, that's just been going on forever. Uh, I mean, I've said this plenty of times: the Napster, Limewire, piracy revolution. Mm-hmm. All it did was made it so labels were less willing to take chances on artists. They're gonna get mm-hmm. theirs. That's why we started seeing the birth of three hundred and sixty deals. You know, back in the day, labels didn't take shit from your merch. They didn't take shit from right. your tour. Right now, you get artists signing the three hundred and sixty deals because the labels are gonna make their fucking money.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And they're, they're the artist take- part, man, is that they they really have all the press tied up pretty tight like unless you've got some money to really get press or unless you're going to like virally blow up and then some kind of press is going to pick you up i mean the term viral even anymore there's bands with millions of views on their videos that still aren't breaking into the mainstream because no one in the mainstream is picking them up you know unless ellen is putting you on her show or uh you know in my realm unless like the source or double XL magazine are giving you like cover features. You know what I mean? Like writing an article, they write 500 articles a day, unless you're getting some kind of like big, we're going to work with you. We're going to push you consistently, not one post, not one article. We're going to like help build your timeline of on this day, he dropped this. And on this day he dropped this. And on this day he did a video and like, they're not working with you if you're not on a label, well, or then, unless you got like a hundred thousand dollars or something.
0: Right. Well, and that's where the label comes in, is because they have those relationships. So, you know, one of my guys right. here in LA, like he works for an, an indie label, and his whole his whole job when he started the label was to go to radio stations around the country and basically glad hand, you know, program directors to get their artists played. That's his whole fucking job. Yeah. To go to these, all these markets and be like, hey, man, good to see you. Let me take you out to dinner. Have you heard our new album?
1: Like, right. That's what the labels are still good Send for. Send me his info. I need, I need him. I need him. I'm gonna put him on the payroll.
0: Yeah, he he is a VP at that label these days. So, I, I
1: mean, I'll introduce you. But well, fuck it. He can put me on the payroll then. Yeah
0: but i mean that that's where the labels come in like those connections and those relationships cuz if he was just some dude like who worked for you he might not even make it in the, the door to you know talk to that program director but they yeah. see the card of like vp of x label i'm not going to name drop who he is but sure sure like they're like oh yeah we'll take lunch and then you know he's been doing it so for so long cuz that friend actually came from um a big indie label to another big indie label to a, a current Big indie label he's not working for. So he's got years of those relationships. And those are the type of people yeah. that labels employ, you know, employ. They're just like, Oh yeah, you've been doing this for so long. And you've been the, the radio guy at all these. <sighs> yeah, we got a job for you. No doubt. Yeah, you can get a ton of press, but it at the end of the day, it's going to take a grind and a lot of fucking money. And I don't even know how you real like, yes, the internet's awesome. The Internet will get you out to places, but the Internet isn't the same as like actually putting asses in seats.
1: Yeah, and also the Internet is like the highway. The highway doesn't get you anywhere. You go places on the highway. So people think like, hey, I'm going to put my video on the Internet and I'm going to blow up. That's like saying I'm going to put my car on the interstate. And I'm gonna go so nah, bitch. You gotta fucking steer, you gotta put on the gas, you gotta have fuel in the tank. Like, it's not just putting your shit on the internet and all of a sudden you go viral. I well, mean, maybe top, that's happened for someone.
0: If you're dumb lucky, like that's like winning the lottery. But on top of it, it's like, oh, you made it to where you're going. Did any of the other motorists fucking notice?
1: hmm Yeah, no, then that's the thing. Not to mention that consistency these days rules everything. Like, I have a friend, uh, I have a colleague, I should say, whose wife has an Etsy shop. And he was set- telling me today, he's like, man, the problem is if she doesn't put something new for sale on Etsy every single day, she gets lost in the feed and she doesn't make any sales. So we've resorted to now like deleting things out of our shop and putting them back in our shop if we don't have something new to sell just to keep up with the algorithm. And it's like when you get to things like press without that label type relationship, let's say you can afford to spend $5,000 to get in this like well-known online publication with a huge following. How many times in a year can you afford to do that for how many years? Like how do you stay consistent? How do you work the algorithm? I mean, how many times do you hear a song you like But it's not that first song or that second song or that third song. It's like the fifth song you hear from an artist, and you're like, all right, now I'm a fan. Now that I've heard that this person delivers consistently, now I'm going to invest in them because I see that they're working. That kind of work is costly. You know what I mean, and that kind of consistency, I- unless you have the labels gatekeeping for you and, and pushing you, is uh, that's kind of what 2020' has been all about for me is looking at this realistically and being like, all right, how do I formulate a plan with this uh, with this new label that I'm working with?
0: No, I totally get that. And you're 100 percent correct. It is so about consistency, especially in the era of algorithms. Like YouTube, unless you are uploading on at least one video a week, you might as, not, might as well not exist. Right. Um it's just you know, you gotta keep putting content out there. Yeah. And if you're doing music, you better be ready to hold a camera, fucking get some video editing done. You can't just put out music. No one's gonna pay attention to what you put on the internet if it's just music.
1: Yep. It's crazy. You need to sell the whole image and I don't know, it's wild. But it's good though, because it's it's uh it's making everyone work for it, which I think is not a bad thing. And it's also uh, keeping people honest to a certain degree where it's like the people that, you know, really want to do this are going to find a way to do it. And the people that were kind of just doing it for the clout, you know, a lot of times, uh, either someone's going to help them out and they're going to make it too. But on your own, nobody's out here breaking their back unless they are passionate and they love this shit. And the way I describe it to people is like, I don't know what I would do if I wasn't producing music. Like I, I, I would just feel not right. I would feel weird in my own skin if I wasn't doing some kind of music production.
0: Hell yeah. Hell yeah. The way I look at it is modern music production, modern entertainment production is a double-edged sword. Cause it used to be back in the day, like, you could be playing a club, and mm-hmm. some A&R guy might see you and try to develop you. But since the labels don't have the money to want to take a risk on people anymore, they're pretty much just picking up people that have developed some sort of following on their own, no matter how right. they've done it. So it's like, and then they're leaving
1: them in artist development for like ten years anyway. Yeah,
0: one hundred percent. Like, oh hey, yo, go produce some beats for someone who's already established. Go. Right. Do backup vocals for someone who's already established.
1: Let me find out this is the podcast that's gonna get me blackballed from the industry. I'm over here talking all this shit.
0: You wouldn't be the first person that this show has gotten in trouble (laughs) in their respective industries. That's kind of how it rolls sometimes. Like I'm completely unemployable in everything because of this fucking show. So
1: (laughs) Oh shit. Cheers, I'll drink to that. Hell yeah. Where's the where's the camera? There it is. I'll wait for you. Cheers. Uh, Salute. Boom. But
0: it's that grind. It's 100% that grind. You have to be willing to stay it for the long haul. There was never any instant fame in music. Like, it blew my mind when I started working in music and just coming to the realization like, when you hear about a young new act, generally those motherfuckers are in their 30s. Right. Like, oh my God, check out this new band. Like, those guys are in their mid thirties because they've been at it grinding for so fucking
1: long. Sure. Or it's a new band made up of seasoned musicians that have been in like five other bands each
0: that you've never heard of, That you've you to right. like a diehard band. And you're like, Oh yeah. I heard that, that one-off vinyl pressing of shit like that. Like the amount of people that are fucking Billie Eilish are like her, you know, like
1: not to mention that her brother was already doing production for other people before she popped off. So that's another right. example.
0: But if you look at, like, the, all the old school young stars, it's, like, most of them came out of Mickey Mouse Club. Like, Britney, Justin.
1: Oh, yeah. Tristan, okay. We're going to th- take taking it back to the 90s here. Right, we're dating like, ourselves, we're man. We're
0: dating ourselves. But, like, because when you think of, I don't know who, I'm fucking old. I don't know who a young artist is these days except Billy Eilish. How old are you? I'm 39, oh, man. Oh, all right. I'm an right. old motherfucker these days. I'm about to be 40. Like, <laughs>
1: Uh time for a humane death soon right put me the fuck down
0: but you know i even like okay what justin bieber was a fucking youtube sensation but he had professional management before
1: oh dude usher was already hot on his tail before any of that shit
0: right got big but that's that's also a one-off artist being like oh i can make something out of you that that's a dumb but- luck lottery win
1: yeah, but once again, they definitely played it up like no one was involved in the early stages. And that's the type of thing I'm talking about. It's like these labels got smart to the underdog story. And they were like, yo, when we're investing in these new people, we're advertising them as like unsigned. No one's got a contract on this kid. He's out here. He's gone rogue. Like, But in the back end, this shit's already all worked out. Well, it's the
0: same like American Idol bullshit. Like that's what made American Idol so fucking big. Is like, oh, look at all these unknowns that are going to be rich and famous. And like, I don't keep up on any of the, like the Idol winners, but like most of them like were working musicians. In some like the winners were working musicians in some level. They weren't like just like your waitress who had a good voice.
1: Right. And then they got signed yeah, to I don't know. unfair
0: contracts.
1: Yeah, I can't really remember anyone outside of, like, the first few seasons, yeah. which now I'm dating myself. But I remember Kelly Clarkson. I watched Kelly Clarkson on American Idol, so that tells you how old I am.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, but Kelly Clarkson, she was a working musician before she won oh. Idol, wasn't she? I'm I like, have well, no I'm...
1: idea. I was pretty young.
0: Well, I, I mean, I wasn't. Dude, that was, like, fucking twenty, like 15 years ago. We're gonna Google Kelly Clarkson real quick. I mean
1: Kelly's a year older than me. Google Kelly Clarkson weight fluctuation. It's wild
0: no no, no I'm not, I'm not gonna talk about her
1: uh, you know. I, I I'm not gonna fat shame anyone, but I think when anyone like goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth every couple years, it's really uh really interesting to watch that whole Jonah Hill type vibe. Well, like I, that's just a wild you're taking me you're taking my heartstrings and you're just like taking me on a wild roller coaster over here. I'm rooting for you. What are you doing? but
0: she had you know multiple kids. yeah, you know, that shit happens. She's a fucking adult. you know she's an adult. she's a real person, yeah yeah she had a she financed a demo before American Idols, like she was a working musician, okay. So like, All right. yeah, she might not have been a wildly successful working musician, but she was a working musician. Like, she was at least pursuing it professionally. If you spent the money, especially in those days, for studio time to fucking put out a demo, you were trying to do something with it.
1: Yeah, no doubt, no
0: doubt. That that's the crazy part about twenty twenty. It's like this is the we are in the era that is the fucking easiest to make your own content. Yes. How the, the what were you doing right now? Fifteen years ago would have been prohibitively fucking expensive
1: yeah no doubt no doubt it is wild too because i feel like that has made people um i feel like it was easier to imitate other people's content and get paid for it before because you still had to grapple with the cost of producing the content so for example if sublime was the big band at the time and you were a band that was local that sounded like fucking sublime You still had to have thousands of dollars to go in there and cut a record, so it was easier to pop off as a band that was ripping off another band. But now that everyone has a MacBook and a blue microphone from Guitar Center, and anyone can download plugins from Waves.com and get a Pro Tools demo, it's a little bit harder to make a post Malone ripoff record and get famous. Cause now like there's a demand for being yourself a little bit, a demand for having your own niche, a demand for authenticity. And once again, thinking forward, I think that's a good thing.
0: Oh, I think of this it is too. It should be, it gives access for more people who are original voices to fucking make something. Cause yeah. if you were some fucking, you know, if you grew up impoverished, you had no fucking chance unless someone discovered you to finance fucking going into the studio. I remember booking studio time for people in the mid two thousands, and a reasonably priced studio, like a not a major studio, but like a reasonably priced studio, was still billing me out one hundred twenty five an hour.
1: Mm-hmm. You could probably get- yeah. I remember when I first got started in this music shit. I was working two jobs and uh hustling on the side and basically was spending like most of my money on studio time. And that's when we had to get smart and we had to, you know, I had to learn things about recording myself. I had to learn things about mixing and producing. And honestly, it led me down the path that I'm on now, just being like, yo, I can't work at California Pizza Kitchen and another spot and be selling grass just to pay for the studio time. Like something's got to give, like I got to be smart. And uh, that's another thing that I think is cool is, I mean, constantly reevaluating ways to save money as a musician without sacrificing that quality is, is another really cool thing. Like, we've gotten now to the point with my label where I have three different studios in my home one is a complete full studio that i'm sitting in right now with an isolated vocal booth the whole room is treated with these acoustic panels so there's no echo or reverb in here kinda, there's an acoustic I piano you a little right now hit you a little dude it's it's wild we got all the guitars all the amps everything then we have a beat production studio and then we turn the living room into a full band setup with a live drum kit a 24 track digital recorder that records and all separates all that shit so basically 85% of the recording process happens in this building. And then we go to, you know, someone that's got the awards and the nominations and all that. And I go, hey, here's everything that I've done and, and how I think it should sound. Fix, you know, if my EQ, if the S's are a little fucked up on Trevor's vocals, help me out here. You know what <laughs> I mean? And, and, and they round things off. And, and luckily I work with someone, uh, extremely talented Steve Wright at Right Way Studios, and he'll he'll even like teach me stuff because you know he knows he knows the deal. Uh, it's it's good it's good that we're moving into an era where it's like you got to get creative with it. You got to um, figure out how you're going to edge the competition, and you got to figure out the ways that you're going to save yourself some money. Because if you're if you're not putting seventy percent of your total budget into marketing, you're never going anywhere. Period. Oh, I agree. I agree. And it's. And even if you are, it's still a fucking grind, because yeah, there's well, if you are putting seventy percent of your budget into marketing, you're spending a lot of time creating marketable content. That's oh, yeah. for sure.
0: Yeah, it's exhausting. I mean, I help for myself. I'm not in music, but you know, I'm I do this. I'm doing fucking Twitch streaming. I'm creating YouTube content these days, and I'm fucking editing for other people. It's just like it's constant. I was editing. Yeah. I was editing something to like five minutes before we got on.
1: Like, gotta make well, this I was dude watching do- Black Mirror. Nice.
0: Yeah, I know you want to do this earlier. I'm like, nope. I got like fucking, I got a client video I gotta edit. I got content for myself I gotta edit. I'm like, can't do it oh, for, like no, a minute before. No sweat off
1: my back, man. I-, I-, I could do either one. I had a post production meeting with one of my artists, and then I had like an hour to kill before we got on. So I threw Black Mirror on and nice. was having uh, a little nostalgia. I haven't seen this show in a minute. So who's on the label these days? Shit. Tell me about the fucking label. Yeah, so first things first, December 7th, I'm dropping my EP Orphans. Uh, Basically, we have a ton of music we recorded in 2020 that's all coming out next year in 2021. And we were like, what are we going to do with the songs from before 2020 that we really fucking like? That don't have a home. They don't have any album. They don't have any project. Should we release single after single after single? And I kind of came up with this idea of like, yo, let me get all my favorite songs that I've done with like my favorite people in the last couple years and just throw them together, mix and master it in a way that it feels somewhat cohesive. And that shit's coming out December 7th, Orphans. It's got Tay Rock, the battle rapper on there. It's got Shame and Piff from Man What. It's got Rob Scholar, who's my talented. Uh, videographer and like just one of my right hand men when it comes to like all my content. My dude Trevor Thompson, who's our in-house beatmaker and basically our flagship artist, is on there, and a couple other Who familiar faces. Still owes faces. me a podcast at some point. Hey, uh, his his EP "Feed the Fish" comes out in February, so before February, he's got to get on with you. So,
0: a little inside baseball: we recorded a podcast with Trevor like fucking four years ago at this point that never aired. Alright. Remember that? Was that the house? I remember. I'm wondering if you're going to tell the people any more than that. It never aired. I'm not not going to... It it never fucking aired, but Trevor's like, yeah, I'm going to come back and do the show. And it's been four years. It's been four years and two co-hosts. Still no Trevor, yeah. so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a little oh, shade man. that way. A little shade, a
1: little a little. Well, he is here, and he's, uh for legal reasons, not allowed to leave the state, so that's why he hasn't been there in the past couple of years. But now that we're all <laughs> Zooming it up, I'm sure it'll be no problem to get him on there for you.
0: Hell yeah, hell yeah. No, because that, that was a fun show, and it was a giant bummer that we didn't get to air it.
1: Yeah, I don't remember why it didn't air. Can we talk about it? I don't really remember either. I just got a fucking, right.
0: I got a call like fucking what? Like under 24 hours before fucking
1: airtime. Like, Oh, uh, we got to pull that from us. Yeah. Oh, wow. I don't remember. Maybe something, maybe dates got screwed up. Maybe like we were talking about releasing something and we had to push something back.
0: I don't remember. I still actually have the yeah. audio somewhere. Cause I don't delete shit.
1: <laughs> That'd be fun to listen to. I wonder what that was like.
0: I, I can send yeah, it over to you. it's crazy, man. I, I unfortunately can't air it, because, yo, that's that's original Hill Host era, and, like, I don't know how she oh, would okay. feel about me airing something with her on it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I honestly, was I in the room, or was it just you guys? I'm pretty sure you were there. All right, because I remember doing the podcast with you, Josh, and a lovely young lady whose name I don't remember, right before Bonafide Fabian's EP came out.
0: That I drank a lot. I don't. I mean, this obviously, hey. obviously, sometime in 2016, because you know that's when that sounds about right. Well, it had to be because you know me and uh, Draven and Johnny Goodluck parted ways in early 2017. So,
1: okay, yeah, it sounds about right. So, have you been doing the podcast by yourself?
0: Uh So we had Andy Cruz stepped in as my co-host from. Like, April of 17 to, like, October of 17, and then I've been doing it solo since. Nice, nice.
1: I mean, hey, there's this book I'm reading, and it's called uh, Live Your Dream. It's just one of those books you buy in the airport when you don't have shit to do. And uh, the first chapter is basically like, yo, if you want to do anything, do it by yourself. And I was like, that's a crazy way to start a book is to tell people not to like have a business partner. But the first chapter of this book is basically straightforward being like, do not have a business partner. Like, hold yourself accountable, do shit yourself, and just grind it out. I agree with that. I agree with that. And yeah, I, yeah, it took me years, but I do too.
0: I have constantly professionally made that mistake. Like, me fucking too. When I started, when I started my label, like take a shot. All right, we'll do another <laughs> shot. I mean, you know, I ran a label in like the mid two thousands. I ran a small metal label in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when oh. I started that, I technically started it with two friends. It very quickly became Cheers. My ah! It very quickly became me doing everything. And my vice president having cards printed, like he had business cards. That's about, oh. about the extent of the work he put in. <laughs> um, That's fired. Yeah, it, it, whatever. I mean, it's it is what it is. Like, right? It was my dr- it was my dream. It was my fucking like. I want to do this, dude. You should help me. You know. At the time we started the label, like I started the label and brought him along as a. Mm. I hate my fucking day job. Well, what do I enjoy doing? Well, I enjoy seeing live music. Well, I have no musical talent. How the fuck do I make a living out of seeing live music? Oh, run a label. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he really... Except for coming along for a couple of meetings when we are recording artists, didn't do anything in the three and a half years that I was running that label. No hard feelings. Like, it is what it is. Yeah. And then... When I decided that I wanted to start this podcast, I wrote, you know, I pitched it to Draven. And that was good for a while. Then it wasn't. Like, no hard feelings there. You know, we went separate ways. But right. instead of just breaching, going out on my own at that point, I'm like, Cruz, you're my homie. You do radio already. Like, come be my new right. co-host. And uh, it like, gets rough, man. And like Cruz Cruz and I went like separate ways for other reasons. She was just too busy to do the show. Right. And then, you know, here I am, fucking Jesus, been three whole years without a co host at this point. Still really You're every still week. doing it, yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, I feel like that's that's what it really all boils down to. Like, um, At this point, I would consider Trevor like a business partner. But if Trevor decided to leave tomorrow, the trajectory that that my label is on would not have to change. You know what I'm saying? So you asked who's on the label right now. So uh, we have Bonafide Fabian. That is our indie psychedelic artist. He's really dope. It's kind of like you pulled somebody like straight out of the late 60s, early 70s and put him in the studio with us. He's super cool. He's getting ready to release his second EP this summer. Nice. Uh, on the hip hop side of things, uh, hip hop pop, kind of like, you know, what we call hip hop today. We've got Trevor Thompson. He's also killing it, making beats for himself and for other artists. Um, I'm releasing music. I just signed a new band in L.A. I'm not talking about what their name is yet, but their debut is going to be out in March. I've oh, come on. Give me the,
0: come on. Give me the scoop for old time's sake. <laughs> Give me the I really
1: can't. I really can't tell you too much. Um, well, you're gonna be a name, right? Or they're not under contract yet? Ah, uh, no, they're under contract, but I don't want to. They don't have anything out on the internet yet. So instead of like putting names out okay, there, okay. Well, at least tell me what they're
0: about. Tell me about. Tell me what they're okay. about. Okay.
1: So it's um, it's it's psychedelic music, but it's not heralding back to the 60s and 70s in the way that Bonafide Fabian does. It's more looking towards the future and it's more rooted in maybe like uh nineties pop sensibility and forward. So it's, um, male vocals, a lot of synthesizers, uh, a little bit of hip hop influence, a little bit of psychedelic influence. It's pretty cool. Very cool. Very cool.
0: Yeah. How, how long have they been playing together?
1: Um, I yep, we're getting into territory that I can't. I can't say too much more. All right, all right. I gotta yeah, push a little. That that, that, ooh, 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 ooh. that one. We'll have to get them on the show later, though. Hey, I'm I'm always uh, down. You know, I'm always down. Yeah, they're they're playing up the fact that they uh they're playing up the fact that they have a little mystery going on. So, and then in addition to that, I still have TRP, which is all the homies that I've been making hip hop, R and B, and and pop music with here in Baltimore a young artist named drist who put out a pretty successful video with trevor earlier this year called run it up um and then my own music man which uh i stepped away for like seven years because i was producing for a lot of other people and kind of trying to figure out the business side of things and uh 2020 is the first year that i've dropped something this orphans tape on the seventh and i've got two more tapes in 2021 that will be out here so It's pretty exciting. It's a lot of fun, man. Like getting back to what I actually love about the business and not just doing, uh, not to sound selfish, but not just doing everything for everybody else doing a little bit of this for myself. Again, is fun. It's crazy. Like
0: the people, most people who don't work in music or have never worked in music don't understand the complexities that go into the business of music. The business of music is fucking crazy. It's like, Oh, Hey, you know, you have the mechanical rights and the publishing rights and like, the various different levels of how everyone gets paid. And it's so insanely complex. Like it's intentionally complex.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So it's just like, I understand that it would be rad to be like, just take a step back and actually like do something creative, do something fucking fun.
1: Yeah. Luckily I, I, well, I don't know if I should say luckily I've been able to stay on the creative side of things for a really long time but i've also kind of taken a look at all of this as i've as i've done that and said you know hey yeah i've got my production credits up a bit and i've definitely gotten my abilities like honed my skills like like a madman but have i moved forward with this as a business in the last couple years or have i just worked on myself ultimately you know what i mean become a better producer become a better understanding of music theory you know my repertoire of artists I've worked with has expanded. So now I'm, I'm really trying to take 2021 and be like, all right, let's fuck around and treat this like a business that, you know, granted I'm great friends with all the people on the label, but, but let's look at this. Like I would look at any other business. Let's just pretend that I'm buying some fucking garbage bags from China and selling them on Amazon. And let me be the very best at marketing and selling the shit that I fuck with. And that I really believe in, you know what I mean? I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying, the hell out of making this shit. I got to get better at promoting and marketing the shit.
0: Well, and one thing that I personally ran into that I had problems as a label head, which I don't know if you run into yet, hopefully you never have to, is like, sometimes I had to make decisions that were I had to choose between my artist and the business, the label itself. Like those were rough choices. That's ultimately like why I didn't enjoy being a label head. I mean, I enjoyed the fuck out of it at times. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't like, oh my God, I hate this, but Especially at the small level like that we you know you're operating at that I was operating at yeah. like you have personal relationships with every one of your fucking artists. Sure. And it was like, oh shit, I gotta make this choice that like either benefits my artist or benefits my business. Like which one do I make? And those were rough fucking choices.
1: Have yeah. Had- well, I I mean, luckily the way that our shit is set up is that I truly believe that anything that uh benefits our label is what's best for our artists the only artists that i have problems with them seeing eye to eye with me or like trusting my instincts is trevor and i think that's also because of the dynamic of our friendship you know what i mean we're competitive with each other naturally so sometimes we get into those things where he's like you know i think we could just do blah 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 and me with like 10 more years experience in the industry with him i'm like you can't so we're not gonna do that instead we're gonna do what i know is beneficial for you the artist and we're gonna do this and not that i'm always right and he's always wrong because that's not how it is sometimes he'll say something to me and i'll be like fuck i never really thought about that but that does seem forward thinking and it does seem like something we haven't tried before let's fucking do it but either way i'm really blessed to be working with a lot of people that um know that the money that's being put into this is my money. They know that I'm out here taking the money that I've worked hard for and investing in their careers and they know like hey, he's not trying to dick around with his own money. He's trying to like do what he can do and make this work out as best as possible. So there's a lot of trust and uh ironclad contracts you know what i mean you know what i
0: mean oh i definitely know it i know what you mean on the contract (laughs) front but like oh my god dude i have horror stories from some of the artists i worked with like i love most of them to death but i have like i had one band i was working with like where they didn't seem to acknowledge the fact that like the label was me and i was a dude working the label and a 60 60 hour a week day job like i did nothing but work in those days to try to support the fucking label and like hey can you assholes go promote your gig
1: you're unemployed with uh, yeah. parents. They never will. You have to understand that, though. I've I've come to that realization in 2020. No artist is ever going to promote themselves well, and there's a correlation with another thing that I've noticed. No artist can mix their own vocals. It's impossible, yo. You try to get any artist to mix their own vocal, it doesn't work because the way that we all hear our own voices resonating in our skull is different from how everyone else hears our voices.
0: 100%. And there's a,
1: cor- there's a correlation there. The way that these artists see themselves is different. They don't know how to market themselves because all they see is the whole process. Every little stitch they put into it and, ev- and they just can't. They can't market themselves. So you have to like... You have to go into it understanding like Bonafide Fabian is never going to make six posts in the five days before a gig to get people to go to the gig. It's going to be up to the guys in the band. It's going to be up to the label. It's going to be up to some fucking paid Facebook ads and Google ads and word of mouth of the people that fuck with Bonafide Fabian to make this show work. And, And that's just part of it. It would also seem a little bit weird. I mean, it screams I'm local. I need help when an artist is uh, promoting themselves too much. I don't think it's necessarily a good look. I think it's a good look when well, the people surrounding the artist kind of push them up.
0: Right, well, I 100% agree. 100% agree. on it's. It definitely looks local, but at the end of the day, like some of the artists I was working with, they were fucking local. They're regional acts. Like, I'm one guy, and I didn't have the fucking, this is, you know, 15 years ago, so there was no, like, we were in the MySpace era. There was no fucking like right. pushing it out that way. You had to go out in front of shows and fucking hand out fucking flyers. You need to go to, sure. uh, yeah, standing outside the venue of a, band, a national act that sounded like you and be like, come check us out, come check us out, come check us out. Because it worked. It did. It did, but when people actually. I've, fucking never, did.
1: I've never adopted that strategy, but I don't, I, I believe you that it worked. But I mean, I've this never is also 15 that.
0: years ago. Today, I don't mm-hmm. think that would fucking work.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Like today, people would be like, "What the fuck?" Like physically flyering? but in those days, right? The just the difference between people RSVPing on MySpace doing an event versus like Facebook posts and digital ads and all that fucking shit. It was a yeah. different fucking era. Well, if I was doing sure. it today, I wouldn't be like, "Yo, man, why are you not flyering?
1: Right, right, right. I, so I'm trying to think. Fifteen years ago, that's what 2005. Okay, okay so I wasn't really doing too much then. I think my shit started picking up around 2009 and people were still flyering a lot, but I, I knew early on for me, it was make a killer video, promote the video. And then just like, just be out there. Like in the early days of Facebook, I think is when like I started really getting to it. Cause Facebook in, in, in this time period, you had to have a, uh, a college email to sign up for Facebook. Yep. You yep. couldn't just. It you was not Facebook. On Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to have a college email. So I remember I was using my, uh, my ex girlfriend's email, who went to college because I did not. And, and I was not going to a fucking college either. Sh- yeah, I, well, I I did go to college for two semesters <laughs> to prove to my parents that I was smart that's a that's later on that's in my
0: mid-twenties See, I, uh, I didn't give a fuck about proving shit to my parents i not a day oh,
1: oh yeah but I, I, also long... had, I,
0: I also had the drawback of being a working it professional in the late 90s
1: okay like
0: i was working in it before i graduated high school so i'm like i'm an it professional i got the world by the balls and then the dot-com bubble burst and fucking the strange trip that got me here is here
1: yeah i hear that yeah, it was weird. My relationship with my parents was like they kind of looked at music as like you failed at high school and you didn't go to college. And that's why you you make music. And I feel like there was like a, a three step process in turning their brain around. The first thing that I did, and this is all, you know, years later, I went to school for two semesters, got on the dean's list and didn't tell them I was going back to school. I just went and then i just sent them like you know the letter from the dean and the, and the grades and i was like hey i'm never going back but this is just to let you know that this is something i can do and i can do it well and then step 2 was working with a grammy nominated artist being an executive producer on the album and like letting them see that this isn't just um something fun or like a pipe dream but this is like a fucking business and then step three was them seeing my clothing line trader threads kind of moving on its own and bringing in money and and seeing that you know i'm not just out here getting stoned in the studio making songs with my friends like i'm actually trying to build a brand build a lifestyle and, and build something i can give to my son
0: well and that's that's the fucking crazy part like in 20 fucking 20 With most of us, like, at one point this year, fucking stuck at home. Just fucking stuck at home. Everyone takes the fucking arts for granted. But if it wasn't for fucking people like you who pursued the fucking arts, what the fuck would you be doing sitting at home? Right. Fucking The arts are fucking important. The fact that we've defunded them in schools is fucking bullshit. God. Preach. Like, yeah. Not everyone is going to be successful in the arts. Not everyone is going to fucking make it, but people are like, and it's a fucking important. It's what keeps society fucking afloat. Like we need entertainment. We need distractions. It's fucking important.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the word that always comes to mind when this conversation comes up is expression. You know what I mean? Like, um, proper expression is the answer to a lot of problems. Violence, rape, a lot of things like that. A lot lot of the things that I feel like uh, come from people having an inability to properly connect with other people, art is the answer. Appreciation for people's experiences through an expression, an artistic expression, is the answer uh, to a a lot of that shit, in my my opinion. And I think that uh, art is medicine in a lot of ways you know what i mean it's it's a way to balm the soul through pain it's a way to encourage others through good times and it's a way to just express um the unity of struggle you know what i mean like the reason why trap drug dealing gun tote music is so prevalent Is because it gives people this feeling of like life feels like the Wild Wild West anyway. Life feels like a constant struggle where everyone's trying to bring you down and you're a one man show trying to shoot your way out. That's how life feels. So if you can create a a musical component that people can have as their soundtrack to that feeling, everyone's gonna connect to that, whether it's their boss, road rage people in their life that are causing them drama baby mama drama whatever it is that that is making them feel like clint eastwood and the good the bad and the ugly there's that musical component that's like yeah i'm out here doing what i gotta do for me because life is hard and i don't have what some other people have so i'm taking and that is a way that everyone can kind of just like take a breath and be like all right it feels okay to not have the ideal life or it feels okay to be struggling today or to be having a rough time. I think all of that shit is healthy. same way I think that to a certain extent violent video games are healthy. I think you know that's just as healthy as taking Taekwondo you know some kind of release where you're able to take physical energy and mental energy and put it out there in a way that doesn't actually harm anyone that's positive to me.
0: I agree. I agree. I, we need releases. And we need escapism. Like life sucks sometimes. 2020 has been a rough year for fuck. Like rich poor it doesn't unless you're Jeff Bezos, 2020 has sucked.
1: Like that dude 2020 made- is like one of the best years of my life and I do I do know I'm in the super minority with that, but it's been an incredibly good year for me because that's an outlook. That that is is completely an outlook. Yeah. Yeah. But there was also a lot of pressure off of me because the rest of the world wasn't doing shit. So I was like, okay, for the first time in my life, I can do a little bit less plan a little bit more, think a little bit harder. Like it allowed me to get into a headspace of reconstruction. And of looking at the whole thing outside the box, And, um, not to mention that uh, this is going to sound crazy, but most of your podcast is a sex, sex related podcast. Anyway, the fact that I couldn't be going out and doing whatever the fuck and trying to talk to women all the fucking time kept me focused. You know what I mean? I wasn't able to just go out and meet a new girl. Like, nah, that wasn't an option. I'm in here thinking about my future. I'm spending time with my family, you know, my son That would have happened anyway. That has nothing to do with the girl thing, but I'm just saying like the way that my time was spent in 2020 was incredibly rewarding. Uh, And and I feel super blessed that, that I had a different experience than most people did this year.
0: No. And I totally get that. And like, I appreciate the fuck out of that, but that's all a mindset thing. That is 100% like having the right mindset about this year. Like, Good on you for that.
1: Well that's that's all life, baby. That's so, life is a true. mindset thing.
0: 100 <laughs> percent Hell, Thanksgiving was that time of recording was yesterday. Like it's like if you think about it, you're like, oh, what am I thankful for? Like, oh, I have food on my table. I got fucking a roof over my head. Like, it's all perspective. And you got it right. 2020 is a great year. On if you have the right perspective about it.
1: Yeah. And I'm not saying that everyone had the shared experience. You know, I personally, God forbid, knock on wood, all that superstitious shit. I haven't lost anyone super close to me to COVID-19. I haven't contracted any uh, illnesses. You know what I'm saying? Like there, there's things that other people experienced this year that I have not experienced. So I'm not out here just saying like, hey, you got to have a positive outlook and you could be like, nah, I'm saying I was blessed. To have a year of, of of rebirth, a year of growth and a year of like kind of putting myself in a different mind state and, and focusing on me, my son, and my team and getting my money right and, and I've, I looked at this year as a blessing for sure and I, and I do my heart does go out to the people that you know had it way worse than me this year because i I know a lot of people had a really fucking rough time
0: yeah, and we're not even out of the fucking woods yet
1: and uh in 2021 let's go woo. I, I have to be
0: better about my fucking perspective because, like, like you, I have fucking I've gotten into enterprises. I have fucking it's been a roller coaster for me. On uh, like one hand, I don't have like some of my side hustles have dried up, where I don't have that distraction to take me away from being creative. Sure. Like where I've had to fucking like double down on doing creative shit, and like I need to think about that more as like, oh hey, this is a positive, motherfucker. You are stuck mm. in your apartment with nothing but you, your thoughts, and. Fucking the ability to record them and make creative shit from it. And a lot of whiskey. I don't know what you're talking yeah. about, sir.
1: <laughs> I've oh, never had there. whiskey in my life. Right, right. So speaking of craziness and 2020, how wild is it that uh, are we getting the AVN this year? We're not getting ABN. AVN. We're getting year, a virtual AVN 2021. Yeah, so there's no expo.
0: No expo, no expo
1: this is going to mark the first year I haven't gone to the expo in like a lot of years.
0: Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I missed the last two, but that was the first time in 10 years I hadn't gone.
1: So we always see a big spike in our clothing. Every time I go to the AVN, there's always a big spike in sales because we'll give the, you know, the submit and the dominant shirts out to all the porn stars. And some of them will post it. And their followings will hit it up. And I always have this nice little February, March, April spike in sales. And I'm like, oh, man, how am I going to virtually connect with the porn stars this year? This is going to be weird.
0: It's a weird year for it, especially because, like, I don't know how they're going to do. Like, they're doing a virtual award show. I mean, I think they're technically doing a virtual expo, but I don't know how it's going to work. It ain't going to be the same. Is it like,
1: yeah, what? Oh, is it on OnlyFans or something?
0: Uh, Avn stars, of course. Avn's own. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But it ain't gonna be the our same. Boy, our boy Johnny is uh, nominated. Yep, yep. Love that. I'm trying to think. I think we have some other friends that are nominated. I know Kira Cole's nominated. Shout, shout her out. Yep, she's yep. awesome. Bunch A of people. Bunch of people like
0: that we've known for years. Fucking nominated. It's it's nice to see them fucking nominated. It just it's a bummer to not have to not be able to go in Vegas and be like, Oh shit, like getting weird, getting circle bar fucking shit at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Ah I kinda miss it. Yeah. I kinda miss it. I mean I I have gone last year. I'm years. not gonna lie,
1: last year was pretty great. Uh the year before was mediocre. But last year was was a lot of fun. I had a good time last year. See, I haven't gone. Uh, all I know is, if we go in 2022, we should go together. We should tear shit up. We got to make up for this year. Hell yeah!
0: No, 2022. If we're back to a real convention, I'm going to go. Like 19 and 20, I didn't go because, like, it was one of those things. Where, since I'm living in LA now, it just wasn't financially like a good business decision for me. Like the content I get at AVN is all real short format shit. Like the last podcast we did from 20, uh, abm was 2018 and like yeah i had like 20 different performers on but for like 10 15 minutes of pop right right, right. And like this show is not a fucking like get in ask you a fucking couple questions get out type deal like
1: sure no it's more of like a camaraderie let's get a little saucy together and talk some real shit
0: right, exactly exactly and i don't feel that I've ever shine through with the ABN content like when I was living in Vegas when I was on the road all the time like yeah it made sense to go back to ABN to get content but since I live in LA and like most everyone's here I can have real shows with people instead of being like hey here's some bullshit questions like and I'm not knocking the content I did at ABN but it's not the same
1: sure yeah for me it's always just like making that initial connection um and then building a relationship off of it, like I can think of, like I mentioned, Kiera Cole, Nikki Huntsman, uh, Sabina Rouge, um, even Kimmy. There, there's just a lot of people that I met at AVN and just handed them a shirt and was like, "Hey, I make dope shirts. I make cool music. I respect what you're doing. You're awesome. Take this," and develop some some form of like rapport and and relationship with these people to the point where we can like text each other and goof off and fuck around and and that's what i like about avn is just like if you are coming there no disrespect to anybody but if you are coming there for a reason other than to just like take a pic and simp with somebody there there it's easy to develop like uh, a rapport with people and i like that you know it's got a very comic-con type feel to it where you could just like walk up and see brent spiner from star trek the next generation and be like hey man like i got this thing and you talk to him and then you exchange emails and then next thing you know like he's wishing you a happy birthday you know it's kind of like that and that's what i fuck with about avn
0: so much some of my best friends like were interactions i had at circle bar like the shit on the show floor like people are too busy like they ain't got time to like actually connect but the Circle Bar. Fucking part after parties. Avian is a magical place for that shit. Magical. So, Funny
1: story. I've never been to an Avian after party. I've well, gone like the, six six years. I've I'm never not talking gone about like an, after an official party.
0: after party. Fuck the official after parties. I'm not talking about oh, like. Oh well,
1: I've partied with like ja, Johnny. Yeah, like, yeah, like ja. I'm talking about like the,
0: the sweet parties and shit that happens in yeah, fucking rooms yeah, and yeah, shit yeah. like that. Like I'm not talking yeah. about like fuck the official. after I mean, no Avian. I'm sorry. Don't fuck the official after parties. Don't fuck the official after-parties. But, yeah. yeah. No, no. What ha- what goes down when you meet people, when you, you got friends, and, like, you end up in some suite, and, like, the shit that's not open to the public <laughs> is what I'm talking about. No, uh, Tell me to shut the fuck up if I'm not allowed to talk about this, but weren't you banned for half a second from AVIET
1: or got kicked out? I was. Not, yeah, I was banned. No, you don't have to shut the fuck up. I, um... Specifically... Let me think about how to word this. Okay. so <laughs> How was I banned? Uh... so No, no, no. I know exactly what happened. I'm just thinking about what companies would be mad if I used their name, because I'm going to tell it the story like the truth. Uh, yeah, so I... the first time I came to AVN, I came with HailMaryJane.com. That was the company that brought me. I was the musical director for HailMaryJane.com, I was going with them to events like South by Southwest and YouTube tapings and all different types of shit as their musical director. They were like a cannabis culture blog that was trying to sell themselves to a bigger company. Um, So the first time I came to AVN, we came under that premise. So we were giving away edibles and rolling papers and we were giving away medicated tinctures and vapes and all different types of stuff because a lot of uh, companies that had teamed up with us had been like hey you're going to avn take this stuff give them to people so that was a great in in the beginning uh because everyone there was like oh you've got you know this medicated lemonade from dng lemonades for me this is delicious and then they were sauced as fuck totally zooted hit me up the next day like that lemonade you gave me was so lit do you have any more and i'd be like nah it's all gone but you know developing relationships so one huge porn star asian beautiful somewhat older porn star i'm not gonna say her name had requested that i bring back the prodankazine medicated syrup that i had given her the year before when i came to avn the next year so i did that i hit up prodankazine i hit my boy i don't think they're a company anymore if they are uh, they're not, they're not doing things like they were, that's for sure. But I hit them up at the time and I was like, Hey, you know, I need a couple pro dangazines for this lady, this lovely lady. So I get them, bring them up. There's actually footage of me handing it to her and of the security guard turning and looking over at us and then like getting into his radio. <laughs> so apparently because these bottles looked like lean, uh like coding syrup he got all up in arms about it and they took me down to the basement of the hard rock and they like put me on camera and they read me this paragraph explaining that i was banned and i was like hey listen you know uh you guys are getting legal weed like within the next like two months at the time like vegas was just going legal i was like i'm not really sure you know, as you were fucking walking me down to the basement, I saw a dude rip a line of coke off a poker table. Like you're banning me for weed and you're about to go legal with weed and you're letting high rollers blow coke off the table like this shit's crazy. But it was what it was. They, they took this video of me, escorted me out, told me I couldn't come back in, blah, blah, blah. And I honestly, I'm probably still banned, but I just came back the next year and no one bothered me. I came back the next year. No one bothered me. I came back the next year. And since I don't go there under the premise of working with a weed company anymore, now I I show up uh, under the premise of Trader Threads, which is my uh, kind of anti-designer fashion fashion clothing company. And we have two shirts that do really, really well at the AVNs and hopefully something new by 2022 when we're able to actually go back in person
0: dude that'd be amazing if like you were able to get a copy of that footage of like them giving you the riot act like in the basement where like that's right banned from the avns boom just like you like <laughs> that'd be amazing if you could get that footage
1: i wonder who we'd have to talk to i'm sure i could figure something
0: though i mean the hard rock doesn't exist anymore because like they get sold the virgin yeah so
1: I Damn, and we're not even gonna get to see the first Virgin Avn. Hot Virgin <laughs> Avn.
0: <laughs> oh. Oh. I know. Uh. I know. Twenty twenty two. It'll be. It, hopefully, we'll be back on. We'll be back to like, you know, no masks and raw dogging people. Hell yeah! It's been a while. So how's fatherhood treating you? By the way, you talk about your son a bunch, but
1: oh, dude uh so my son is like the coolest i never wanted to have kids man like at all i had no desire i actually people don't believe this story but it's the absolute truth on my way home in april of i guess it was 2017 i was in an uber talking to my female uber driver about relationships and all types of shit heading to lax And she was asking me if I would ever have kids. And I was like, no, I'm never going to have kids. And she's like, you know, what if you're, you know, with a partner who you're madly in love with and and they really want kids? And I I was like, you know, miss, I really don't think that um, I'm the right partner for them if they really, really want kids. Like, I see the world just getting shittier and shittier every year. In so many ways, you know, the economy in the in the fluctuation of the dollar in the way that people treat each other. Right. uh, There's just so much bullshit going on. I would hate to be responsible for the happiness of another human being when 80 percent of the human beings I know aren't happy. It's a bad time to be responsible for the happiness of another person and i'm having this whole conversation with her and i go home and i fly home and like two days later i find out that i am having a kid <laughs> it was epic and it was scary but um there was like at that point there was really no there was at no point where i was like hey we should we should get this taken care of i kind of just like felt like all right well you know I'm at this age in my life. Let's ride this out and see what happens. And man, my son is the dopest. He's so cool.
0: Hell yeah. Hell yeah. There was no point where she was like, let's take care of this either, right?
1: No, 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 nope. Nope. Uh, I think that she was really scared and real freaked out. And the way I approached it to her, I mean, I I wanted to kind of see it through mainly i hadn't gotten anyone damn we're going deep i hadn't gotten anyone pregnant since i was like 18 and the girl that i had gotten pregnant when i was 18 uh was the girl that i lost my virginity to and she went through like a crazy like uh like body dysmorphia and a bunch of other stuff she was a model and ended up kind of inducing a miscarriage through her own actions uh, close to close to the end of our relationship so i hadn't had any uh run in with that kind of situation since i was 18 and and years and years later i just kind of was like all right well if this is the plan that that the universe has coming my way i'm about to see what what's up with this i'm also an only child my parents don't have any other kids so it kind of i don't know i was just like it was a big wake-up call, and I was like, fuck it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride this out. And she she wanted to ride it out, too. And even though we didn't work out as a couple, uh, I don't think either of us. Sometimes I get that feeling, like, I wish I didn't have a kid with you. But then I wouldn't have the same kid. So I, I got to check myself when I start feeling that way.
0: I mean, that's just, un- I mean, that's natural shit. I mean, it's yeah, crazy. Like, the amount of people like that I've had unprotected sex with are like, holy fuck, to be stuck with you for life? Like, even if the kid ended up awesome, to be stuck with you for life might be a problem.
1: And, you know, obviously we're not stuck together because I actually broke up with her right after ABN's this year. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I took her to ABN's and the Grammys back to back as my as my guest. And we got home and I was just like, you know, I can't really fuck with the way that you act when I when I'm like taking you to do the dopest shit and and you don't even realize that like I'm out here for my business. Like we're not out here to party. I mean, we can party too. Right. That's but we part can't of the put job, that ahead. But- Yeah, we can't put that ahead of like the goals. This isn't we're not here for you the same way we're not here for me. We're here for like what I'm building. Right. And and you know, that was like the final straw in the relationship cuz we had been falling apart for a while and, and I was honestly just trying to stay together cuz my parents are still together now. All I know is good old wholesome mom and dad love it. Like I don't know about that broken home life. So I was really trying to stay together for the kid and I, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that I got pushed over the edge because life for I think for both of us, I mean she's got a cool new boyfriend now that she's really into and uh, I'm single as fuck, which I'm really into. And, um, yeah, I think everything is just better this way. Cool. I- I'm glad it worked out this way. No, but... I, I agree with you. Like
0: as someone who comes from a broken home, I know my mother was much happier in her relationship after my father than she ever was with my father.
1: Yeah. Like, well, we were dumb happy until she got pregnant for real, which is crazy. Cause it's like coincidental. Maybe, I don't know, but we were really cool. As like friends with benefits, open relationship type thing, as soon as she got pregnant and she she wanted me to start treating uh, what we had going on in a whole different way. I was like, yo, we're gonna be best friends that co-parent and live together and have this kid and we're still gonna be ourselves and do whatever the fuck we want whenever. And she was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. And then at three months pregnant, she was like, "Mm, maybe that's not as awesome as I thought. And at six months pregnant, she was like, yeah, I think like I need to be your woman at like nine months pregnant. She was like, yeah, this needs to be like a normal relationship. You can't be like sleeping with another girl for multiple months at a time anymore. Like this just not okay anymore. And I'm like, so, you know, we, we tried it all different types of ways over the, over the next couple years and, and nothing was making either of us happy the way it was before. And finally, I was like, look, I'm going to keep doing all this crazy dope shit. I don't feel like you're appreciative when I take you with me. I don't feel like you... I feel like you take the perks of being my lady for granted. And and I know that the girls in my DMs over here would, if they were doing the things that you're doing, would be, like, to the moon. So, like, I'm, I'm not really feeling like this is right for me anymore i'm finally starting to feel like uh this is holding me back and like i said man i think she's happier i'm definitely happier i think our son is uh is gonna be okay regardless uh we're be- d- definitely both gonna do the best we can for him so it is what it is
0: like when your son gets older how are you gonna explain like the situation to him
1: So deep inside, I feel like she's going to explain it to him. <laughs> I feel like she's going to have way more. Uh, I don't want to say negative, but like way more tongue in cheek shit to say about me than I'm going to have to say about her just because of our personalities. I'm i am not really the type to. um To be like that. So I, I probably won't say much. I'll probably let him get older and figure that shit out for himself.
0: All mm-hmm. right. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, am hey, I'm all for like not talking shit about you know the kid's mother, but you know, I feel like uh, believe me, I don't want to breed, I don't want to ever have this conversation with anybody, but like to be like, <laughs> yo, sometimes shit doesn't work out, like sometimes shit oh, doesn't work that out. That conversation, kind of, yeah, like just the yeah, real, I would like, the, the realistic that... situation of like, because I know, like as a kid coming from divorce, like. At six years old, when my parents got divorced, it was definitely, like, I internalized that it was my fault, even though it had nothing to fucking do with me. So, like, I feel like it's important if you're, like, separated from separated parents to be like, yo, this is how things went down. Like, this has nothing to do with you.
1: Yeah, I think I'm just going to look them in the eye and be like, hey, your mother and I literally never had a single fight until she was pregnant with you. And then once she got pregnant with you, everything just started to fall apart between us. And um, the best thing about that is that we both have you and neither of us give a fuck about each other anymore, but we both (laughs) love you. So, like, it really doesn't matter because you won. We both, like, thought we lost for a minute, but really we both won. Everybody's a winner here, so it doesn't matter. I'm joking. I probably would never say anything like that. But uh
0: I mean, you just said it on the internet, recorded. I
1: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you'll probably show it to him. I don't
0: know, man. It oh depends. yeah, no, no, just, I'm gonna roll up to his tenth birthday and be like, "Hey, I got a present for you. Your dad's on the internet, here. bro.
1: You're like 39. You'll be senile by his tenth birthday. What? You might do that shit. You might show up like, hey, check this tape out. It's a VHS.
0: Shit, Beta. It'll be a Betamax." <laughs>
1: Like I, I don't know how nah, I'll, on beta, but
0: I'll, I'll do that shit.
1: i don't really think that i don't really think that it's gonna be in that frame i think he was two when we we split up in february he'll be three in december you know he was two by the time that he's talking in full sentences he's familiar with his mom's new boyfriend he's familiar with um I mean I don't physically show affection to women in front of him you know what I mean I'm not like making out with girls in front of him or like, I'm just, like sleeping in my
0: handful holding shit
1: Yeah 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 but he he's familiar with the girls that I that I have over on a regular basis and you know one of them paints pictures with them she's an artist another one you know goes on walks with them and stuff like that so I think him growing up at such an early age there's not going to be this like traumatic divorce moment it's just like hey mom's got her situation dad's over here dad's got his situation surrounded by love everyone is you know doing their best to make sure that things are cool i i I hope that we don't have any kind of situation where i have to explain to him that anything between me and his mother is not his fault you know yeah
0: i mean i i don't know like believe me i don't know the psychology of it i don't know like what to do at that age like i don't know like i i don't know this is part of the reason I don't want to fucking breed. Like, I don't want to have to answer these fucking questions because like, oh, shit. Um, so, yeah, I raw dogged your mom wants in a bathroom. We didn't even really know each other's names. Uh, that's life, kid. Like, I don't want to have to have a conversation with someone because that's the only way I'm getting someone pregnant. Really? Like, it's going to be that kind of accident.
1: All right, all right. Well, we're learning a lot about Matt Slayer today, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, they,
0: they know. I mean, there's 200-plus episodes of this shit. They they know. They, they know what kind of ignorant shit I get into.
1: All right, so real quick, when was the last time that you raw-dogged somebody in a public bathroom?
0: Oh, it's been a hot minute. Like...
1: You were saying it like it was, like, four days ago, bro. <laughs> dude, dude, I live in L.A.
0: There's no public bathroom to raw-dog someone in four days ago.
1: I don't know, in LA you might find those like uh gender neutral bathrooms. You can raw dog whoever you want. Yeah, but there's no
0: businesses open. No, it has been a it's been a hot minute since I raw dogs only in a public bathroom. It it has been a hot
1: minute. Like I think Chipotle was the last bathroom I had unprotected sex in. I mean that's a rough bathroom to have like dude, the smell's I, like, I live in a nice area, man. it's Hum Valley, it's 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 well taken care of. Oh, okay, okay.
0: I'm just the yeah, guy, like, yeah. yeah. I'm thinking like a Hollywood Chipotle, like the you know someone yeah, homeless nah. was just in there fucking sleeping in there right before you try to bang someone. No, don't want to do it. Nope.
1: I mean, not that I wouldn't. You know what I mean? If it's the right person, I, I mean can think. I, of I don't a, want to,
0: but I would.
1: I, I mean, I can think of some people right now uh, that uh, I would I would bang in any bathroom that they asked me to. Let's let's make it happen.
0: Anyone uh, that the audience might know? <laughs> yeah, but I can't say that. Well, oh, you definitely can.
1: No, they're what in my I inbox. Well, maybe it'll happen for you. Oh, I do that every night before bed. I just sit there like, well, yeah, and I let's just put manifest it on the internet, shit.
0: on the show, and maybe that'll uh, happen for you. I want to hear this. Oh shit.
1: man, well, fuck! If I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot big. Let's see. Yeah, fucking shoot big. Like ce- celebrity crush. All right, you tell me who is your like? First of all, your non porn star celebrity crush. Scott a porn star. Okay, all right. Damn. Even with the little cross-eyed thing she's got going oh, on. Oh,
0: dude, I, I I would bust ropes, like, <laughs> like you could climb gym class type ropes. The amount of ropes I would blow. him. Yeah. yeah, that's what she would do too. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I'm just I'm trying to think of like what level Ryan Reynolds is on where he divorced her. Like,
1: I think he just masturbates to a mirror. <laughs> I mean, if I was that pretty, I might too. I I meant ego, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. So, non porn star celebrity crush for me. Uh, might be Cat. Vonnie. broke girls. Oh, Cat no. Jennings. Yeah, yeah, she's up there for me. I, I got a big, a, I got a big extra medium hard on for her.
0: You know, you're technically three degrees separated from her. Oh yeah. So like, I'm. It's
1: Denning's, by the uh, way. Dennings, oh, sorry. Not, yeah, uh,
0: yeah. Well, things off, alcohol, whatever. I'll just add Dennings, Yeah. Um, we'll just have a boop in post. No, nah, no. Nah, I'll just leave my fuck ups like usual in there. Um, I'm, I, I feel douchey about. I am acquaintances with someone, another cast member of Two Broke Girls. So we'll we'll just leave it. At oh. That.
1: All right. Well, hey. This is why we speak these things into existence <laughs> on the internet. Uh, next time,
0: yeah. I, next time I see the, you know, the that cast member of Two Broke Girls, I'll be like, "Yo, my guy,
1: my guy." Ga- oh, so we know it's a guy. No, no, no! no. I'm saying you as "Yo, my guy." Oh, <laughs> uh, I thought I was doing detective work over here. No, nah, no. Nah, nah. All right, and then and then I know you run a porn podcast, but who's this your not a fucking porn? porn podcast? You goddamn musician. It's a porn podcast. And now we drink and talk to porn stars. That's what this is called.
0: Hey, there have been of musicians and comedians who have done the show over the
1: years. Alright, that's fair. That's fair. That is very true. Uh, so who's your ultimate porn uh, wish list? If Santa was bringing you any of all time? And you could even be like, hey, I want Jenna Hayes from like 15 years ago. You could say whatever. Uh, that's a weird... That
0: is actually harder for me to answer. Because there's like some performers are like i'm super attracted to and like i know them in real life now it's like i'm not super down with you and then there's other performers who would like i don't want to just put like you know i legitimately might want to holler at them and i don't just want to put but that i could
1: add to it like i i have met um janice griffith a bunch of times right right and she has always flip-flopped between being really nice to me and really cunty towards me. <laughs> and, and when I first met her, I wasn't that attracted to her. But the more cunty she was, I was like, yo, I would, I would do damage to your body just, just for revenge of all the times that you've kind of made me uncomfortable <laughs> in my own skin. Like, I would really – I would hurt you. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That could That could sometimes work to the benefit. Somebody makes me uncomfortable, I'll fuck the shit out of them. Like, I, I've got something to prove now.
0: I gotta think about that. Like, on the porn front, I gotta think about that, because it's one of those things where, like, you know, on a, like, sexual attraction front, like, there are some of these European performers that, like, I don't know, you're aware, but, like, my rule my rule on the masturbation front is, like, I, I'm only jerking off to people I don't know in real life.
1: Ha! <laughs> Damn, that's crazy unless okay. i've been inside them
0: unless i've been inside them in the, the oh yeah
1: that's i don't have any rules about jacking off
0: none so like yeah you know, there's definitely some european performers who are just like oh my god you fucking turn me the fuck on but i don't know who they're like in real life and then there's some performers who are like i'm definitely attracted to like i'm definitely like into as a person but i'm not like sure i wanted to be like well that's never really worked out do i really want to just put it on blast on the internet like oh yeah that's where it's where I want to oh, be. So
1: you're saying that you know what it is, you just don't want to say it out there's loud. Couple,
0: there's a couple. There's a couple. There's a <laughs> couple. There's a couple. There's a couple.
1: But all right,
0: all right. Let me take another drink before I make poor I decisions. I feel like
1: ultimate, though. Ultimate, like of all time, any time frame, you could, you could definitely. There's, there's someone in your mind that's just, that's just there for you, bro. And if there's not, then we're just hella different people. Because yeah, I mean, there's
0: a there's definitely some of the, like, I all mean, right, there's definitely one performer, like, she's retired, she's way retired at this point, and, like, you know, we are, I guess we're friends, so it's just like, I'm not trying to blow that up on the internet.
1: All right, well, I'm not going to squeeze it out of you, man, yeah, it, but when I see you in person, oh, after oh, the, show the, is the minute over.
0: we, hit, stop, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll admit it, it's just, one of those things where, like, AVN, like, 2013, I feel like I zigged where I should have zagged. Okay, all right. Like, we spent the... uh, Her and I... uh, If she remembers this, she should text me. Um, But we spent, like, the whole fucking night, like, at AVN drinking and hanging out. It was an amazing fucking time. It was fucking hilarious. Her ex-boyfriend... Actually part of the reason I don't want to bring this up is because like her ex boyfriend doesn't remember how he actually met me. Her ex boyfriend's a comedian. And he met me that night through another performer. And then I'm hanging out with his ex and Mr. Lucky's getting breakfast and he is flipping her off from outside. Mr. Lucky's you've been to Mr. Lucky's. So for the audience who doesn't know, Mr. Lucky's is the diner in the hard rock and it doesn't actually have walls. Like it just looks out to the casino floor. So, me and her are at dinner, breakfast type deal, and he is flipping her off as she's out to breakfast with me.
1: And just doesn't remember that it was you
0: that she was with. And I'm thanking for it, because he let me pull a complete pimp move during the fucking dinner. Like, I just took her phone out of her hand, put it face down on the table, put my phone face down on top of hers. I'm like, no, you and I are just here together. Forget that bullshit. There you go.
1: Yeah. Facts. And then... You gotta do that though, man. Like you do. You do. We only have we have very limited opportunities, uh, especially with people of the opposite opposite sex. Like I feel like as as men, uh, the window for, for for catching a female's interest is much smaller than the window for catching a man's interest. Cause with a man, it's like if I'm attracted to you the first time I see you, until I fuck you, I remember you as like, oh, that's that girl. I'm gonna fuck one day Until, but with women
0: well, i'll I'll put a caveat on that unless i do something horribly fucking repugnant when i'm like nah i'm cool like because occasionally you're like yeah yeah but if you're drunk
1: enough you'll still do it but with women facts facts on that but, facts. With, but with women it's all contingent on where they are mentally where you are the environment we have a tiny ass little window if you're face to face with a girl that you want to sleep with you take your phone and you put that shit face down on top of her phone and you go hey this is our time look at me i'm the vibrator with like the little bunny ears and the face right now like let's go like this is my time you have to and and i you know i'm not trying to say be pushy or i'm not trying to say you know if someone's telling you no obviously that's a different story but until you hear that shit it's your time to fucking go balls to the wall
0: her and i drank till like fucking five o'clock in the morning that night like it was it was a good fucking night like i did try to go in for the kiss at one point like i felt her kind of tense up in my arms and i put the brakes on like as, as you do if you're a fucking reasonable human being and like you know you read the room like oh nope
1: she,
0: yeah. So you know, but her and I talked for a hot minute. I mean, her and I still talk, but not on that
1: level. Like Well, hey man, I'm here to tell you today it's time to get it back on that level. You got some manifesting to do. You gotta you gotta get out your dreams. Yeah, Let's nothing go. like six
0: years later and like she was uh
1: Facts. Better than ten years later. Let's go. I'll take hey. a shot right now. <clears throat> We're going.
0: So I'm not gonna call that out, but there are definitely a couple other performers who I'm just like, you intrigue me. Like I'm sexually attracted to you and you intrigue me, but like, I'm not gonna put that out into the world and like till I feel it out a little more. It's just one of those things where like, I can say I wanna fuck Scarlett Johansson all day long. And like the likelihood of Scarlett Johansson seeing this interview and being like, oh shit, naps Slayer wants to fuck me pretty low. Mm. Me calling yeah. out someone else who like works in the industry be like, Matt Slayer wants to fuck me. Mm. Really decent likelihood of them seeing this shit.
1: And I would rather just yeah, have but that the cover- difference the difference is is that like uh, someone working in the adult industry, it's a given that like most people they interact with want to sleep with them.
0: Right. But I don't wanna be most people they interact with. Oh you you're not. Oh I know I'm not but I don't want to get relegated to that bullshit. Oh, oh, oh. I don't want to get relegated <laughs> to that shit. Like, the minute they think that, like, yo, know, my penis is what's in play, they may relegate me to that bullshit for whatever their bullshit. Nah, 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 nah. Like, the people I, like, am actually interested in, like, spending time within this industry is because they, like, intrigue me on this level. Like, I interact with a lot of fucking hot people. Mm. There's a lot of people I would enjoy having an orgasm with, and it would really enjoy making them have an intense orgasm. But it doesn't like that's not who I'm really interested in.
1: Yeah. I can relate to that because with the clothing, with Trader Threads, I love how you bring it around. I
0: love how you bring it around.
1: I've met more models in the last two years, and I've kind of come to the realization that, like, there's a lot of really, really hot women that, like, when I see their picture, I'm like, ooh. And then when I hang out with them for a little while, I'm like, yeah, well, that's, it I, is what it is. I posted this
0: on either Twitter or Instagram, like a couple of years ago and caught some shit for it. Beauty is like fucking diamonds. The only thing, reason where you think it's rare is because of fucking marketing.
1: Beauty is fucking common. Not in Maryland, baby. You should come out here where no one's pretty. <laughs> oh, dude, I, I've been to Baltimore. I've had sex in this state. <laughs> no one. Well, I don't know what our standards where they rank up, but uh, I have a really hard time finding people I'm attracted to in this in this area. Sorry, I still love Baltimore. I'm still four one zero all day, baby. But uh, I don't really like dating here. In fact, um, in 2020, a lot of my friends when I when I broke up with my baby mama or when we broke up, I don't want to say that. Cause now, now people are going to, yeah. When we decided to split, when we decided to part ways, completely mutually, not with any of us. Not, <laughs> I didn't break up with her. Um, yeah. A lot of my friends were like, is there anyone you would make your girlfriend? And at first it was like, no. And then it was like, all right, there's like one person on the planet that I know right now that I would, that I would consider dating and craziest shit last time i saw her she just like randomly the first time we were alone for like 30 seconds someone walked in the bathroom she just walked up and kissed me i haven't seen her since and i didn't press it you know what i mean but it's just like things like that i don't know things like that make it all cool because it's like i'm not pressed on it i'm not trying to make anyone my girlfriend i'm not trying to do all that but the fact that there might be a little mutual attraction there you know what i mean Something might happen in the future. That's cool. Yeah. And
0: believe me, you and I both know women smell thirst. Like the minute, like, oh my god, I I, I they're like, don't want none of that shit.
1: Yeah. Which is crazy because women are so much well, I'm um, no, I'm not gonna go there. Women women <laughs> are just very obvious when they're thirsty, is the polite way to say what I was gonna say.
0: Like it honestly boggles my mind that like anyone stays together because in my, like, I don't know if like it's just romanticized back in the day, but like there is so much bullshit in games that goes into modern dating. Like, yo, know, I gotta show you that I'm interested in you, but I can't be too interested. I gotta, yeah, you know, like you gotta do that fucking bullshit dance.
1: Like, I can't. Yeah, text- I don't really do that though. Maybe that's why I don't have girlfriends very often. Hey, I, I'm right. Yeah, there. I don't know. I I just feel like I think that. That's a perception. And although, yeah, you can't act too interested in anyone, it's more so you just can't get out of your own pocket, man. Like, the same way that if if you and I found the dopest metal band and I had uh, a repertoire with a a metal label, we wouldn't be able to hit the label up and all guns blazing be like, you guys gotta sign these guys. You gotta, like, we wouldn't, we would be like, yo, we need some tact, we need some presence. We need to have like a concise statement. We need to pique their interest and show them establish what the value is. I-, I think it's the same way, but I don't think that the games thing has to happen. Like you know, there's these books on dating where they're like, you got to text a girl, and then you got to like ignore her for five days, and then know, you got to, no. like, no, nah. yeah, fuck, fuck all that. All like, that. I-, I don't, I don't think that you have to compromise who you are as a person and and play like this established game i um, think it's just at the point where it's like yo don't be dumb don't come off as like yo you're the light of my life it was so nice to meet you tonight like don't fucking be stupid just be like hey i'm dope you're dope i feel like we could be Doing dope stuff together if we're both available. Let's go. Well, I
0: also think there's no hard and fast rules because there are some people that like you interact with, like you just fall in and like you're dope, we're dope, let's do this. And there's some people you got to be like, I got to keep you arms length for a minute to feel out what's going on. There's no hard and fast rules because each person you're involved with is an individual. It's not like
1: not to mention that like everyone cheats now. So you got to be really careful because it's like 80% of the people that you're hooking up with are cheating on their man. So it's like, is this even going anywhere anyway? Because you're a cheater.
0: See, I like, that's what I love about LA. It's like LA monogamous. Like, Oh, me and you raw dog. Everyone, we use condoms with everyone else. That's the established rule. That's LA monogamous baby.
1: (sighs) Oh Lord have mercy. (laughs)
0: Oh, man. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I've never cheated. Like, I I don't get the cheating mentality. Like, I've almost cheated. Oof, I've definitely almost cheated, but I've never actually cheated.
1: I cheated back once, but I've never I've never initiated cheating. And it wasn't sex. I had a girl that I was with make out with somebody else when she was drunk, so I went out and got drunk, and I made out with somebody else. But I've never, like... But I also have been in like five monogamous relationships. I haven't been, Slayer, I have not been in a monogamous relationship in almost 10 years. Every relationship I've been in, there's been an establishment of like, hey, I care about you enough that like I want to come home to you every night. I'm down with you having a key to my house. I'm not hiding shit from you. You're welcome to be here. But if I want to fuck somebody enough that like, I'm going to be like, hey, I'm going to regret this if I don't do this. I'm going to fuck that person. Period. And if you can't get down with that, then I'm not the right guy for you. And I'm totally cool with that. Like, There's no person on this fucking planet, not Kat Dennings, not my porn star lady, not nobody that is worth my freedom. There's not a single person. Period.
0: Well, and if you're with the right person, you shouldn't feel trapped anyway. So... Right. No, I totally get that. I totally get that shit. It's all time, place. Like, there's so many fucking variables that go into it. It's not just like hard, fast rules.
1: Like, but it is with most people. You gotta get that part out there. Like, it is. Like, most people are out here just like you're mine, and I'm yours, and I've got the passcode to your phone, and we've got a joint Facebook. The first time you cheat on me, like there. Well, but it's the, out that's there. the
0: thing. But that's the thing. Yes and no, because like, I'm sure it's happened in your life. Like, you know, you've hollered at some girl who's just like. Oh my god, I'm not ready for a relationship. And then, like, when she met the right dude, she was like, "There's no hard and fast rules." That's never happened to me. Oh my god! Well, oh my god, you're so blessed, <laughs> you're
1: so fucking blessed. It's definitely happened. Well, to I've all, never asked it. a girl to be in a relationship, bro. I don't care. I don't want to be in a relationship with her. I'm right. just I, but that has no, definitely happened to the I'm majority playing. of America. I'm just fucking with you, bro. I know, I know you are. Yeah, I, I, I understand that part, but like. Uh man, I feel like not even to sound douchey, but I feel like I'm the one on the giving end of that part where I'm like, yo, I'm not trying to be in a relationship, I'm not trying to be in a relationship, I'm not trying to be in a relationship. Then I pop up with a kid with some bitch, and all these girls are like, Hey yo, I thought you weren't trying to be in a relationship. I'm like, hey, that was an accident. My bad. Well, it's <laughs>
0: like it's like the, the, the old saying is like a wedding ring is the ultimate aphrodisiac.
1: Ugh. Well, no, Maybe, no. Like, but,
0: well, no, no. It's like, yo, know, a couple of my guys who got married in their twenties, like, they'd go out to the bar with me, and, like, wedding ring on, and like, women would just throw themselves at him because they're just like, oh
1: my god, he's got married, like, he's a good dude. Like, yeah, but I think it's also the challenge, man. Like, I mean, first of all, if you, if you see a girl at the bar that's a six, and she looks like she's been crying. And you see a girl at the bar that's like a nine, and she looks like every time she steps out of the house, she's ready for a photo shoot. One of them's a challenge, and one of them looks like an easy target. I don't know about you, but me personally, I'm way more interested in seeing what it takes to crack that challenge. Like I'm, I'm trying to figure out like, all right, you obviously are feeling yourself. There's a lot of self-respect going on over here. What does it take for a dude to get your number, to get you to hang out this weekend, to get you to like, maybe leave your car here. And I can call you an Uber in the morning. Whereas the girl that looks like she's been crying all night. I'm like, yeah, my friend over there, that's not that confident. I'm going to get him to go talk to her and then we can all leave together. (laughs) I'm not really interested in something that seems easy ever, even if they're hot. Uh, When I was younger, like post high school, like right out of high school, there were a lot of girls in my area in Baltimore County, Maryland, that were extremely sexy, but that had the reputation of being like easy as fuck. I was never interested in any of them because I was like, yo, like, Whether it's something in my reptile brain that makes me want to compete, I I desire that challenge. And I think that when it comes to that wedding ring thing, I I think part of it is just that the girl's like, hey, one, I can safely flirt with this dude all night knowing that he has a woman. And at the end of the night, if I need to, I have an out being like, oh, no, you're married. Never mind. Uh, My Uber's (laughs) here. Bye. And number two, if you can't, if you're the other type of girl that's like, you know, out there for the hunt, Then you're like, yo, what's it take to get this fucking married man to, like, step outside the box and do something freaky? You're Like,
0: it boosts their ego. Like, yeah, that's right. I got a a married dude tonight.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I got somebody that I wasn't supposed to have. I mean, that's always been more fun, right? Oh, yeah. It's like the girls that fuck black guys in the beginning are the girls who have racist parents because they're like, hey, this is something I'm not supposed to do. I'm not saying that that's not a reflection of my views on interracial dating. I think anyone should love whoever they want. But I'm saying that by being a racist parent, you're encouraging your kid to have sex with people of different races because you're making it this thing. You're making it a fucking thing. Right. And I think, you know, stepping into the bar by yourself with your wedding ring on, you're establishing, hey, this is the taboo. You want this? You can't have it unless you really, really work for it.
0: Yeah. I'm not about that much effort. I'm yo know, I take that six home.
1: i take that six home. I mean now she's in. crying.
0: I'm not about that. Well hey,
1: the fact is, is that you could be a great wingman for me because if you take that six home, I'm gonna try to crack that nine.
0: Yeah, th- that just seems like too much fucking effort. Like I'd rather just have another drink and like just you know as James Conn on The Simpsons once said, some men like a challenge. I don't. Fair enough. I got Fair I got enough, enough. time in a day to like play bullshit games. Like you down? I'm down. Cool. Not to say I don't like finer things in life, but I'm just like you know, it's a major turnoff for me if a woman has like low self esteem. Like for I, sure. I was definitely like you know hooking up with a girl at one point who was just like, oh you, you're thinking about those porn girls while you fuck me. I'm like that is a wild. I'm just wildly turned off by that. Like I am inside- like you
1: know, I'm just happy that my dick's inside a woman right now. Uh, that's all I'm thinking.
0: Right. About. Like. I'm obviously here with you. My dick's hard for you. I'm not thinking about anybody else. Like for you to say that in earnest, that you think like that I'm thinking about someone else while I fuck you, like just as a earnest? Well, she was did, in earnest,
1: or you were in earnest. She was in earnest, but
0: uh
1: Ernest P. he Ernest, went, P. Yeah, Ernest, he Ernest in goes jail. to camp? Oh shit. Ah my childhood. All, All right. right.
0: Right, Rest in peace, Jim Bar- <laughs> uh, Jim Barney. Jim Barney. yeah, Jim,
1: yeah, Jim- you got it. Oh uh, yeah, 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 alcohol, yeah. Rest in peace slink from Toy Story for you young kids out there. right. But that was a
0: fucking turn off for me. Like I want you to have some self-esteem, I want you to have some fucking confidence, but I'm also not like, if you're, you know, so stuck up, like, why is this dude even talking to you? like, well, fuck you then.
1: It's got to be out Oh, shit. Hold on, Matt. I just disconnected the headphones. I still hear you. Oh, man. Oh, shit. Technical difficulties are happening. Jamie Fox. Boom. Can, can you hear me?
0: Yep. I can hear you the whole time. Oh, tight. Tight, tight,
1: tight. Yeah, like, so, it's... what do most of your guests do when they have to take a piss, bro? Uh, they go piss. Like, do they like make you wait? Occasionally. Or do they take you to the bathroom?
0: Both? Are you taking me to the bathroom uh, right now?
1: Yeah, I got pissed real quick. Oh, good. Sorry about that. I'm not worried about it. Yeah, it's cool. This is my bathroom. I got a map of the U.S. Oh, my God. It's pins. a map of the U.S.
0: Oh, my God. I
1: obviously don't give a fuck about the Midwest because I haven't been anywhere on the Midwest.
0: Dude, Chicago's rad part of the year.
1: Oh, I have been to. Hey, I've been to Chicago. That's
0: You have I mean, no pin there. Up there?
1: Oh, I need to. I went to the taping of uh, Nils Lofgren's most recent album. In Chicago. Nice. That uh, he just got snubbed. He should have gotten a, a, a Grammy nomination for that because it was incredible.
0: And Milwaukee, there are some good times to be had in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I believe it or not.
1: Yeah, I haven't been there. I did go to Denver for my birthday. which is Denver's not really a good the, fucking time, man. Denver was like one of my favorite places. It was the last cool thing that me and my baby mama did. We went to um see Tame Impala on October 7th. And uh, we got there like 40 minutes into the opening band Which is crazy Because like what opening band plays for 40 minutes But we got there 40 minutes into the opening band And they only had like two songs left And they were from another country They were singing in a different language And I was blown away I was like this is incredible I don't know who the fuck these guys are But I'm trying to come back tomorrow night So it was my birthday, October 7th. We saw Tame Impala. It was an incredible show. I was sober the entire night because I really wanted to see it for like the, you know, production aspect of it. And I was like, you know, at the time, my girl, I was like, babe, I'm trying to come back tomorrow night. I'm trying to see this opening band and I'm trying to get destroyed. So we came back the next night. We saw Alton Goon. They're called. Um, I think they're from like Turkey or they at least they play traditional Turkish folk music incredibly. We saw them, and we got super fucked up and watched uh, Tame Impala for the second night in a row in Denver, Colorado. And then we missed our flight home, because we were too hungover. Nice.
0: I got to see Carcass and the Black Dahlia murder last time I was in Denver. Ooh, Black Dahlia's tight. Dude, Carcass. Fucking Carcass. I'm not super familiar with Carcass. Oh, they're old-school death metal, like, old-school British death metal. Like, they had broken up, and, like, this is one of their first tours back in 2014. No doubt. And then, like, I had amazing meals in Denver. Um, There's this restaurant called the Buckhorn Exchange. Like, if you're a meat eater, the Buckhorn Exchange is amazing. They do wild game. I am very much a meat eater. They have Colorado liquor license number one. (coughs) Oh, okay. Like, it's been there that long. Amazing dinner. That's dope. Um... This so like that weekend was just amazing on a lot of levels. Like, I was there with I a, a I guess she's technically a performer, friend of mine who like her and I had been friends for a long time. So we I flew her into Denver while I was there, and her and I hooked up for the first time. Like after like fucking amazing meals and brewery tours and fucking like some massive cocktails. So it was just a really good weekend. Oh yeah really good we're like oh i didn't think we were gonna fuck but we did cool but yeah like i i had a good time in denver like i need to go back
1: yeah that's that's a place i want to go back but i don't want to go back until we have concerts again i think that um i think that mission ballroom is in my like top 10 venues in the country i really really like that venue
0: i gotta remember where i saw carcass black dolly like i need to google like what venue that was because like It was a a fairly small venue. It was a good time.
1: Mm. Yeah, this place was pretty big. Last great small show I went to. I went with uh, Samantha, the owner of the Bikini Bean in Portland, Oregon, to see Temples at Doug Fur Lounge. Doug Fur Lounge? Don't know it. Let me just double check that's what it's called. I, I think ask. it's called Doug for a lounge.
0: As a musician, like for me, for me personally, like I am all about like smaller venues versus bigger <coughs> venues. Like like I understand you get mad production value when you do arena shows and do big venues, but like
1: I hate arena shows. That's that's not my I'm style. Right, I'm so right there with my you. My but- style is like um You know where, like, your family goes to see off-Broadway shit? It's like an amphitheater, but, okay, Hollywood Bowl size. See, the Bowl's too big
0: for me. I would rather see someone, like, 1,500 to 3,000 people is, like, my ideal venue.
1: Okay, I like that. I like that. But Hollywood Bowl is, like, where I cap out. And it it works because it's outdoor. Mission Ballroom is probably like a 3,000-person spot. The 930 Club in D.C. I think is 2,500 or something like that. That's actually a funny story. The last live show that I performed as Trait Razor, I opened up for 2 Chains at 930 Club, and I told my manager, I said, until you get me a show at a better venue opening for a bigger artist than this, I'm not performing again, and I haven't performed ever since. It was so fucking epic. It was so fun.
0: See, as a Chicago dude, like venues like the Aragon Ballroom, the Metro, fucking the Riviera, like or just that's where
1: I got. I got like to go to any of those places. I haven't been to any of those places. Oh, dude,
0: the Aragon Ballroom, the brawl Room, as we lovingly refer to it as, is started off in like the twenties as like an actual dance hall, and it's okay. Got a huge, huge fucking floor, like old old school fucking architecture. I saw my first show there. I saw White Zombie, the Reverend Horton Heat, and the Melvins. Jesus
1: Christ!
0: Your first show was White Zombie. White Zombie, Reverend Horton Heat, and the Melvins.
1: I mean, all right. I I respect both the the Reverend and the Melvins, but White Zombie, man, like that's a crazy awesome first show to go to. Astro Coup two thousand tour. Ugh. So my first show, <laughs> I feel like a total scrub now. Um, shout out to Fastball because I still to this day fuck with Fastball. My first show was Fastball, uh, but all the openers were terrible. So the openers were Blessed Union of Souls. People would have to Google them, but they they have a song that you know and it sucks. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Taylor Dane, '80s pop yep, sensation, yep. awful. And then Edwin McCain. I'll be your crying shoulder. <laughs> Awful. I mean, no, he was good. He was good. I, it's just not music that I particularly <laughs> care for. Talent, yes. My style, fuck no. But fastball destroyed it, and I was a lifelong fan ever since. Man, every album they have put out, I've found something I can like about it. That was that was my I first. Mean, and uh, they're concert. one of the most
0: infinite infamous one hit wonders of all times. Like most people don't know anything besides the way,
1: which is crazy because the album that they put out after that, the album, the harsh light of day is like one of my favorite rock albums. Uh, I, I would put it up there in my top 10 favorite rock albums of all time. And they don't have a hit on it, but like, as far as, like, front to back, I could put this shit on and vibe out, whether I'm driving, whether I'm on a walk, whether I'm hanging out with my kid, whether I'm painting, no matter what. Like, they, they have an incredible album, and and even their new albums are good, too. I actually saw them last year, and they put on a fucking great show, dude. They're, they're really talented.
0: That's a band I would definitely like to see in person, because, like, I was a big fan of that song back in the day, like.
1: I can't wait until they're like 60 and they let me produce one of their albums because they don't have anything better to do. It's going to be great.
0: So um, on my first show front, what was wild to me, like at the time made sense, but like is wild to me now, The Reverend almost got booed off stage.
1: Because it was a harder show? Yeah. Like it was yeah. a metal fucking show. Yeah. Like I mean, that, that makes sense though. I mean, whoever built that show kind of yeah. whoever do, built that tour, was it, it's,
0: it's an interesting, like, fucking '90s tour.
1: Like, yeah, but the, uh I mean, the people in the '90s that were listening to White Zombie were not listening to the Reverend, and no. vice versa.
0: No, definitely not. Like, like the Melvins <laughs> barely survived that crowd. Like, the Melvins
1: were like, the producers of the show were probably like, "Hey, listen, we need to sell tickets to kids, and we need to sell tickets to their parents." <laughs> It
0: was just one of those things where, like, the Melvins made it by because the Melvins, like, have such a fucking unique sound. But, like, you know, the Psycho Billy, Reverend Horton Heat sound, like, this got to be 94, 95, maybe. Just. God. Yeah. Like, they almost got put off stage. And, like, at the time, I didn't respect the Reverend Horton Heat. Sure. Yeah. 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 I'm like, you know, if it wasn't metal, I wasn't listening to it at that point. Right. I was 100% there for White Zombie. And then,
1: in retrospect... Like, white, white zombie's so tight, man. Like, oh, I don't know. I have a lot of respect for, like, the the late 90s, early 2000s metal, and then even, like, a lot of the new metal that people clown on. Like, I go back and listen to that shit now, and I'm like, yo, there's some cool shit in here.
0: I mean, this shit wouldn't have gotten, like, a... metal Metal in the mid-90s was essentially dead. Like, White Zombie had a career because of Beavis and Butthead. White Zombie almost got dropped by their label until the Thunder Thunder Kiss 65 video was played on Beavis and Butthead. Like, that's how dead metal was in the mid 90s.
1: I mean, that's unfortunate because I don't fuck with Beavis and Butthead, but I love me some White Zombie.
0: Right, but that's the thing. Like, at that point, you know, Nirvana Soundgarden the seattle sound pearl jam yeah was the
1: grunge the grunge, grunge was replacing metal grunge yeah had killed
0: metal yeah and then you also had all the fucking glam rock you know the glam metal that fucking was
1: garbage Which, coming back full circle to where we started this podcast another forward thinking thing that i think is cool about the streaming era and about where we are with music now is genres don't really kill each other anymore it's like the fucking Borg in Star Trek. They just like assimilate each other. Well, They're just like, hey, resistance is futile. This country is now country hip-hop pop. Well, I think part and of that is... it's annoying,
0: but... It is. But I, I think part of that is because we live in an era that has less gatekeepers than previous generations. Because at the end of the day, you had tastemakers. You had people like program directors you only got music from whoever programmed your local radio station or programmed MTV. Now, because of the internet, because of how social media goes, you can be exposed to shit that like, no one tells you you should like or not.
1: I agree with you there. I think that the, I don't know if this is like a, who came first, the chicken or the egg type thing, but I think the biggest part of it is that the kids these days are way more accepting than we were and then the generations before us were. Like, the kids these days are like, oh, you identify as, like, a robot? All right, that's cool with me. Like, let's go eat lunch. But, like, the, the kids these days are totally – um they don't damn the things they don't like like we did. I know I did, man. When I was young, it was like, if I don't fuck with that shit, I'm going to tell you how fucking stupid it is and how you're a loser for liking it. And the, dude, and the kids these days aren't like that.
0: Dude, I come from metal. Like, I come from a genre where you could be rocking the wrong metal shirt and people would call you a poser. Like,
1: oh. Uh, poser was such a good insult, man. Like, uh. Oh, what? A lot of people call me a poser, especially in middle school.
0: Like, what Judas Priest album does that? Does that come from? Like, what? You're a fucking poser. Like, there's no metal is the genre of
1: back in the day of no acceptance. Well, to be fair, just playing devil's advocate here, I think that most people these days are posers. I mean, most people are buying their like Pink Floyd shirt from Target, and they can't name like five Pink Floyd songs. And they're like, "Yeah, I heard this on the radio with my dad, and like it's got the cool prism, and like "Ah, that's why I wear it." Like, our definition of what a poser was, I think, is mainstream. I think the posers won. I don't disagree. The posers
0: fucking won. We lost, dude. I've definitely driven some Uber in my day, and like I picked up a kid. (laughs) I picked up a kid wearing a Maiden shirt, late teens, early twenties. I'm like yo, man, do, what's your favorite Maiden album? He's just like, oh, I, I'm just down with the shirt. I'm like, oh, I'm going to play Maiden for you then. Like, I, mm. made, I made this kid listen. And, he, you know, he got down with it. Like, Hell yeah. It's crazy to me, the idea of wearing a shirt for a band that you've never listened to.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm going to actually change the subject because I'll start getting the 90s in me. will start coming out. I'm not trying to go there. Oh, uh, no, I want to hear a little of this. A little, just a taste. Just a taste. (laughs) Could
0: could the audience a little taste? A little bit on the tongue.
1: I just think it's fucking dumb, man. Like, if you like something, have balls and say you like it. Like, I have no problem. My boy Trevor Thompson will be in here drunk as hell playing ariana grand and we'll be clowning him and calling him a bitch and all types of other shit but he likes some of her shit and he will play it when he's fucked up and he will be like yo i like this song and we're like yo you might as well listen to these influences that this song is obviously ripping off and he's like well i like this and we're like all right cool that is how i feel like people should be um going to a store and buying a shirt because you know other people like it like just screams beta male cuck bitch to me and really? I, I know i sound I, I like, like a, I, a I know i, know I, I, sound I feel like, like
0: in a lot of those cases people are just down with the artwork like they see the fucking rad metal artwork and they're just like
1: fail uh, it's not enough for me man i know i, I sound like a conservative fat like like <laughs> hater right now but I'm, I'm not trying to be that way i'm just saying that like really uh I think that people need to really have the the balls to admit what they like. I will walk out of this house tomorrow wearing a Phantom of the Opera Mark J. late eighties T-shirt. Like, I will let people know I fuck with Andrew Lloyd Webber and uh, his musical compositions. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that there that there's a certain power that you have in liking what you like and 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 having a reason behind what you like and i just i don't know i feel weird about the fact that kylie jenner can rock a shirt and other people will buy that shirt and and be like oh i don't know this band i just rock it because i saw somebody else rocking it and like i guess ultimately uh, that's good because they're getting money you know did you see the like the
0: fucking uh kylie jenner or one of the jenners was wearing a fucking you know uh slayer live undead shirt and like Gary Holt was wearing a Death to a pedestrian Card- yeah, yeah, yeah. shirt. Like, yeah, that's
1: that's what I'm referencing right now. Um, I I don't know. It's I'm a- just too old school for this shit.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I I've never worn a metal shirt on a band I've ever listened to, not once. Like,
1: I, and that's why, like, I never talk shit about metal. But like, the closest I get to metal in my own personal listening. I mean I don't even consider really white zombie to be metal. I consider them to be like their own little hardcore no, thing. No, no, no. But
0: white zombie is definitely metal.
1: Okay, well not metal by like what I normally well, think, of, like I think of. Rob it.
0: zombie solo stuff took a different direction, but white zombie itself was definitely metal.
1: Alright, well that's what's up. Then I guess I like metal. But uh for me, the closest I get to that usually is like System of a Down and Deftones are two of my favorite bands of all time, and a lot of people will be like, "They're not metal," and I'm like, "All right, well, they're loud and they're heavy as fuck." And well, the, the, you know, like
0: as a purist, they fall under new metal technically, it,
1: which is crazy because they are nothing like Stained and Limp Bizkit and Orgy and Corn. Well, like,
0: well, that's a whole bunch of things. Like, Stain doesn't fall into. New metal, like, it's,
1: yeah, they do, according to Apple <laughs> Music. Fa- like, <sighs> uh. I'm just saying, like, you know, when I think of uh, when I think of like, I don't think that Tool is any more metal than Deftones is. I think that Tool and Deftones sit in the same wheelhouse, you well, know what I mean? Tool's
0: like weird, progressive, like, Tool's
1: Tool, prog rock metal,
0: yeah, yeah, like, and Deftones is definitely more new. Well, depending on the album, more new, new metal. I, I I'll admit to my audience that like I am not as up on the Deftones as I should be, mostly because I lost I, I lost the Deftones in a divorce. What do you mean? Like one of my big ex girlfriends bought me a Deftones album, and then we broke up. I just how big? Like the big X. Like the big ex Like bought me a Deftones album. Like it- four hundred pounds.
1: <laughs> ha, 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 ha. <laughs> ha 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 ha, ha Take
0: ha, a shot. Ha. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay you're a musician not a comedian I get it <laughs> yeah yeah. the woman who did
1: some yeah well she she can't fucking get Deftones man
0: no but she bought me that Deftones album and like I associate the Diamond Eyes album with her so like I just don't listen to it uh,
1: so I'm a white pony guy I mean I like around the fur and I like adrenaline but white pony is where I really was like oh okay this is like going to be an album I listen to for the rest of my life. I like the new one too. Ohms is pretty good. Shout out to uh, Chino. Haven't seen him in a while, but shout out to Chino Marino. Hell oh, yeah. Hell
0: yeah. Metal is a genre that like goes all over the fucking place. Like, there's not one one little thing that's like, that's metal and that's not. Like, the. Yeah. It's all. It is all over the fucking place. Like, I mean, there's thrash, there's death, there's, you know, black. There's It's all the subgenres of metal are all over the place and like as much as people may hate on new metal people have to fucking give new metal credit for the fact that like metal it brought metal back towards the mainstream where like it sure. put new ears on metal like
1: yeah bands like fucking have you have you listened to king gizzard at all i have not I'm i'm unaware of king gizzard so king gizzard and the lizard wizard are um a really cool band that do a lot of different stuff but they they released a kind of i would say it's a judas priest inspired uh metal album called infest the rat's nest uh within the last two years and it's pretty good uh they are they're pretty great um they in 2018 i think it was they released, like, five albums in one year. They're, like, really prolific, and they, they do a lot of really cool stuff. Um, but, yeah, you should check out Infest the Rat's Nest and see if you like that, and then maybe if you like that, you can check out some of their not as hard, but still hey, equally vibey shit.
0: In 2020, my my musical tastes are all over the place, like, as that rhymed. But... Hey! Yeah, no, it, like, it took being an adult to start appreciating all this shit, like, no if, you, if you've been like, hey, Matt, in 1999, listen to fucking Al Green, and be like, fuck you, not metal. <laughs> Matt, in uh, 2020, Al like, Green. oh, like, let's stay together. Like, I- I'll listen to Al Green all
1: fucking day. Like,
0: I'll listen to these new wave. Like, my tastes are all over the fucking place at this point.
1: Yeah. Nah, I, I think that we all get to that point, honestly. It's crazy watching my kid grow up because, like, um, I feel like my son was listening to music in his mom's belly for sure cuz I was always I was always working on shit and producing shit. We started noticing once he was born, probably around the 3 month mark, that whenever he heard Bruno Mars, there was like a very distinct change. Like, oh, okay, he has stopped whatever it was going on in his brain. He is completely in tune with this. And he became obsessed with Bruno Mars, and then it was Maroon 5, and then it was The Weeknd. And now it's everything, man. I mean, he's not even three years old yet. He's got his own playlist. And it's got everything from like rap, like OT the Genesis, to uh, a lot of 70s music. He's got um, Redbone on there. He's got... um, Lil Wayne, Post Malone, The Ramones. He's got Joji, Tame Impala, 070 Shake, Led Zeppelin, uh, some Italian artists I've never even heard of, like <laughs> Umberto Tozzi, Bastille's on there. He's got Tayo Cruz and Hart and all types of shit. And basically, the way this playlist works is like, the baby uh, has certain hours when he's able to watch YouTube. So he'll find like a YouTube video of like, oh, this is a compilation of uh, scenes from the Avengers movies set to a song. And he'll run up to me and, Daddy. I'm like, what? What's this song? And I'll look at it. And like, oh, uh, that's the Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin. Add it. I'm like, all right. So I put it on his playlist. And he's just come up with this crazy, eclectic playlist of all the shit that he likes. And I'm like, damn, I don't think at his age I um, had the diversity. First of all, I didn't even really get into music until I was like seven. But for me, when I was seven, I was just listening to like the Beatles. That's it. I wasn't listening to anything else. And then slowly I got into like alternative rock and then new metal and then rap. And then R&B. And then basically hovered between like rap and R&B for like six to eight years. So and I, then came back around full circle to like, you know, rock music again.
0: Yeah, so I, I went in like the opposite path. Like I went like, I grew up like in a mostly black neighborhood. Like when I graduated middle school or when I graduated elementary school, I was two, one of two white boys. So like I listened Did to Did they him. call you that? One of white boy number two. Did they call you
1: white white boy? No, (laughs) hey white boy. No, no, but like I was just wondering
0: where I grew up. Like I listened to a lot of fucking hip hop. Like a lot of the hip hop station. Like and then you know I was an angry fucking kid. So like I started getting into like I was really into Public Enemy as a kid. Like
1: okay, cool, cool. Which is
0: completely off message for fucking Public Enemy, but
1: yeah, I mean, but it doesn't matter because it's still you know. One well, feel like, like spreading awareness of, is, is if, the message.
0: If you watch any of the documentaries about Public Enemy, it's like part of their popularity came from white suburban kids.
1: Uh, part of it, about like of, most of it? Yeah. yeah.
0: But like, I was definitely up until middle school listening to like a lot of hardcore gangster rap, Public Enemy, and like shit like that, just because I was angry and like my musical influences were like the black kids around me. So like, I got influenced by. A lot sure. of fucking hip hop and then like sometime in the mid like early to mid nineties I got influenced by fucking metal and then like just never turned back.
1: Like So wait, er, early nineties, Biggie or Pac? That's mid that's mid nineties, man. Okay okay, mid nineties. Big or Pac. Pac. And I, I don't mean now, I mean like when you were growing up.
0: When I was growing up I was actually mostly listening to West Coast, West Coast gangster rap, like Spice One. Fucking okay. the Master society soundtrack was a huge fucking yeah, yeah, MCA. Yeah, All right. All right.
1: Uh, I'm like, like. So you didn't really have a horse in that race when it was I, happening? No. You didn't I really didn't give a like, shit. All right. Doctors
0: Race, the chronic fucking doggy style, yeah, yeah, Snoop Dogg. Like, those were I rounds. always liked
1: Pac. I never really liked Biggie when I was little. When I was, when I was little, I like, I just, I liked Pac's voice and delivery and, and, uh, just the way he i don't know he was so sure well, of himself
0: and I get around was like the pop song that stands out of my head oof.
1: okay so troublesome 96 for me the first time i heard that i was like this is the most alpha male i'm going to fucking eat or or fuck if i can't eat you or fuck you you have no place in my life like i was like this is the dopest shit i've ever heard
0: See, by 96, like, I had already gone full metal. Like, so 94, I got introduced to Slayer's Divine Intervention. I got introduced to Suppletoire's, um, Chaos AD. I got introduced to DSI. Like, I just went metal. Like, I got, yes. I sold all my hip hop albums at like a secondhand store. And I'm like, nope, I'm metal now. Like,
1: i don't think i ever identified um this might be this might be something i'm realizing about myself i don't think i ever was willing to give up things that i liked for something else that i liked like i was never willing to give up the fact that i liked the beatles and uh and uh fucking what i mentioned before the phantom of the opera in exchange for the fact that then later in life i liked corn and um Good Charlotte or whoever well, the fuck.
0: That, that's something yeah. I eventually had to come to, but like, of course, yeah. At the time, it was just like I was all in on being a metalhead, like,
1: yeah. This- I think I was just so much of like an outcast, uh, that I didn't ever feel like I had to like, um, subscribe to like people didn't like me no matter what I did, especially middle school. So I was pulled out of school in fourth grade uh spent 5th grade and 6th grade homeschooled with my with my Jehovah's Witness parents being completely bubbled and then came back in 7th grade and was like getting picked on and beat up and shit and then in 8th grade one of the really really popular kids took an interest in me and was like hey man like you should go to a new school next year cuz everyone here fucking hates you and uh when you get to the new school you should like fucking make fun of the teachers and get sent to the office a lot and i was like This sounds a lot like the plot to the movie, The New Guy from the late 90s, but all right. Oh, that was uh, horrible. All right, I'll try it. So I went to a magnet school and literally did that. I literally was like, all right, I'm going to make fun of these teachers and I'm going to be a complete jackass. And everyone fucking loved me. And it it worked like a charm. It was weird. I don't know, man. Uh, I I think we're from a different generation.
0: (laughs) For sure. We are. My ass is old. I, I still it.
1: wanna know who your porn star uh top porn star of all time Well, I will tell you, you in are. a moment.
0: We're gonna call last column, call this motherfucker. We're gonna sign all off right. and then I will tell you.
1: Well then I'm gonna tell you mine. So before I die, I'm I'm going to uh have intercourse with Mia Malkova. That's gonna happen. Alright.
0: I hope it yeah. does. No, it will. Before that happens, where can they find you on all the things? Find the label all <laughs> All you mean where she- can she find me? Yeah, where can she find you? Yeah, where- she
1: she can find me in Sparks, Maryland or in Playa del Rey, California. It's like, uh, I'm I'm on Instagram at TraitRazor. Uh, right now, if you go to www.TraitRazor.com, you can watch me and Trevor Thompson create beats on our series that is envisioned by Rob Scholar. It's called Tight Beat. And basically every week we go in from scratch right in front of the camera and we make a brand new production that ends up on Beat Stars uh for lease and for sale. Um you can also find me on Facebook uh Facebook.com slash traitraiser if you have a business inquiry pay traitraiser at gmail.com I'm sure he's gonna have all the nice little socials up here and if you want to get some dope ass threads traderthreads.com if you're a model or an influencer you can uh, DM our team we're definitely down to work with people and to work on things and uh, if you're broke you can DM me directly and I'll probably give you like a discount code or something you know what I mean we we like helping people out can
0: my fat ass model something for you oh bro what are you like a 2x I got you oh shit I,
1: I don't think I'm that fat these days I don't even think a 2x is that big is that that big this is America
0: Oh, shit. Well, in the meantime, while we figure out my weight <laughs> problems, uh, you can find me at Matt underscore Slayer on Twitter, Matt Slayer on Instagram, Matt F Slayer on Facebook, twitch.tv slash Matt F Slayer for the gaming bullshit. You can find the podcast at And Now We Drink on Twitter, and Now We Drink underscore on Instagram, and until next week, drink up,
1: motherfuckers. Good night, guys.